3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Midweek Motorsports Series 14, episode 31. And before we even get started, good evening, or hello at least, to Gerard Navot, the man at the head of the FIA WEC. Gerard, thank you very much for passing on your kind comments about last week's show uh, and our Ask Atherton feature. And I hope you're enjoying your holiday. Uh, tuned in tonight, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but you may be listening on. Maybe listening on the podcast as more than 100,000 of you a week are doing now, which is fantastic news for the world's longest running motorsport magazine show. Up in London tonight at just after 8 o'clock is Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim.
2: Good evening, John.
3: And on a packed show tonight, we have what?
2: I'm just uh, working out. Yes, you're watching. It's more than 100,000 a week.
3: Yeah. It's cool, isn't it?
2: Big numbers. Big numbers. Do you know how? And that's just the download. That, that's well, that's just uh, that's just for Midweek Motorsports. If you add all of our podcasts together mm-hmm. uh, up to the end of last month, mm-hmm. nearly eleven million. What?
1: Eleven million downloads
2: in the first seven months of this year.
1: How many did we
3: do last year mm. then? About was seven point seven, wasn't it? it was seven point eight. Seven point eight. Yeah. So we've already beaten up by a good twenty five percent. Thank you. All Actually, that's you.
2: not quite true. We did get more than that last year. Did we? Yeah.
3: But we've beaten it already. That's the main thing. It's all about winning. It's all about going further. It's all about going further faster.
2: Better than last year. Yeah,
3: we're be better than last year. That's, that's cool. I just want to keep hearing that. Thank you to everyone who is supporting the biggest motorsport archive, free motorsport archive on the World Wide Web good to have your company tonight, whether you're listening live or listening when you want to. And don't forget, you can listen on demand. You don't have to download if you don't want to. I know some people don't. You can just click and play from uh, radio-show.co.uk or radio On a packed programme tonight then, Tim, to repeat the question.
2: Uh, we have all the usual features. Excellent. We will be joined uh, by... Uh, uh, usual contributors, people like Nick Damon. Well, people uh,
3: like Nick Damon or Nick Damon, because frankly, I'm not sure there's anybody quite like Nick there Damon. There is
2: nothing like a Damon. There's nothing like a Damon. Very Nothing good. in the world. <laughs> there is nothing you can name in that is anything like a Damon. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Stop laughing. We'll be hearing from uh, oh. Zach Brown really? and Sam Schmidt.
3: I do, I do like uh, to be Zach Brown's music. Side. I, I, no, I do like Zach Brown's music. I don't know where he's got the, the time to do all that, but, you know, great stuff. Love the new single. Uh,
2: we have a big interview. We do have a big... And it's
3: more than a big interview, actually. With an yeah. author.
2: With an author. A published author uh, as well. Our second author this year. Yes. Uh, actually, did we speak to... Um... No, that was last year, yeah. So it okay. is the second author this year in our big interview series. Uh, plus all the usual nonsense.
3: Shall I do a bit of uh, housekeeping before you play what the jingle? What are
2: people saying on Twitter?
3: Um, Brody flat four, flat four, he says, but he's he's working on his inline four tonight because he's finishing up the USB port addition to his Porsche 944. And very neat and tidy indeed. Hello to Adam Crossfire. Who's listening in uh, tonight? There's been a lot of talk today about um, replacing audio units in various cars and um, the Continental uh, TRD71420B slash, uh, sorry, dash OR that's about to go into my 968. Hello to Sarah like Rigby. It should be a tyre. <laughs> yes. Um, it's actually a very nice, sort of retro looking audio unit. Uh, hello to Sarah Rigby, who's excited to hear a bit of Aston Martin. Uh, and uh, Ethan Heisler, who is trying to push the uh, Porsche Classic Radio, which is more than £1,000, more than I paid for me Continental, but I do like it. Uh, Martha Patricia that should Mont, be
2: the name of a station, shouldn't it? What's that? Porsche
3: Classic, Classic Radio. Porsche Classic Radio.
2: Uh,
3: 108.4. Surely it should be nine, 94.4, 91.1. 91.1 Yes, 91.1. Uh, Christopher Matthias uh, has no airfares for him, listening in on his day off. Uh, and he's uh, seeing people coming into town for the Durea Hill Climb, which will be happening this weekend. No Fs for Phil. Got his WEC tickets in the post this week, and he says thank you for the 30% discount. A lot of people seeing that this week, which is very kind of them to say so, but that's all down to Silverstone uh, for setting that up for us when we did the discount code at uh, Mobile One Radio Le Mans. Uh James Brown feeling good. No Fs tonight. Tuning in for the midweek fix after an sensational Austrian MotoGP Chris Humphrey's tuned in he's th- Thruxton for the BTCC this weekend half an EFA this week Carol Brink is driving uh, or sorry comes company arriving uh, for day 6 of what's a 10 day car week in Monterey Danny is saying no EFAs Listen, listening forward looking forward to the live show interested in how your guest <laughs> went about fictionalising the <laughs> How do you think that without alienating friends and co-workers or bending reality too much? Reading the sample, though, I'm hooked.
2: I don't think he cares about alienating co-workers.
3: Uh, Listen, it's worth listening to, and the book's fabulous. We'll be putting a link on the front page. Uh, And tonight, after Midweek Motorsport, we're celebrating a very special birthday. 30 years of the magnificent Mazda MX-5. I was out in the... English countryside uh, a couple of weeks ago, thanks to Mazda UK, to Owen Mildenhall uh, and the rest of the team for allowing me to drive all of the iterations of Mazda MX-5. And that special show comes up after uh, us tonight. Whelan's ready for all the usual features. Uh, He has had a bit of a seed swap tonight, says He's He's gone from the sofa to the recliner. Nice. Uh, No, sorry I'm late this week. Went and got my beer early, says Alan Prosser. Well done. Uh, Adrian Michael-Reese has just sneaked in the midweek motorsport doors when nobody was looking. I was here early, he said. RTL tuned in. And he says, tuned in unsurprisingly. I'd try to do that from any place, anywhere, anytime. Uh, but felt something of an 80s uh, pop. Fell into something of an 80s synth pop rabbit hole today. Excellent. Uh, Nikolai's tuned in. Early 80s or late 80s? I said early uh. Oh, no, I just said 80s. Didn't say early on it. Mm. Excellent. Uh, in MWN, says Nick H. Looking forward to the all usual stuff. Jonathan Main, Shane, Chris Suku. Uh, Chris Suku says, steady on, Tim. Those download numbers, no Silverstone counting. No, no. That's proper counting. Because it's Tim counting. And Tim has no truck with counting that isn't proper counting. There's a spreadsheet and all sorts. Uh, Neil Gardner, hello, Neil. Loved your monochrome with Martini Stripes Porsche work that you were uh, getting on with last week. Uh, Kuiper Hoffman, geared up and listening in on TuneIn from a toasty California. Looking forward to seeing you when you visit WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca in a month or so. Uh, let me just blah, 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 blah. Right, no, that's it. I'm up to date. At Specutainment, if you'd like to get in touch with us... Um, please do. Meantime, shuffle your papers, Tim, and play the jingle for the top story.
4: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek
1: motorsports. And what's the top story tonight, Tim?
2: Uh, well, uh, we s- heard last week from Nick Damon that uh, any Have we Formula got the 1. Have we got the clip? I I wish I'd had time to dig it out. Any Formula 1. Shall we One repeat stories? it? Any Shall Formula we One it? stories? I'm mm-hmm. going to re- repeat it to you now. Mm-hmm. Any Formula One stories you hear over the next three weeks mm-hmm. are either made up or old, because obviously everyone's on holiday, yes. so uh, we won't be leading with Formula One, right? And uh, I know, John, that you wanted uh, in particular Boo. to, uh, oh, no wait, <laughs> to uh, talk a lot about Moto Two and Moto Three, yes. Uh, And we will be talking about that a little bit later. We're actually going to lead with something from the other side of the Atlantic. Are we? Yes. IndyCar news. Oh, yes. Uh, Because McLaren, after a 41-year absence, will return to full-time IndyCar racing in 2020 in partnership with Arrow Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport. Mm. And Chevrolet, the team will be renamed Arrow McLaren Racing SP, entering two Chevrolet-powered cars in next year's championship. Uh, No drivers have been announced so far. But let's hear from uh, one of the people behind that uh, new team, uh, Sam Schmidt, and hear what he had to say on Monday.
5: Yes, I mean, it's, it's the ultimate. And now we have to perform. It's, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for situation because, uh, because now uh, Arrow is a partner. Uh, Rick and I uh, together, um, uh, you know, really, again, this is all about winning and uh, winning the NB500 and, and being a, a, a realistic competitor for the championship. And uh, we, we couldn't do it without these resources, without these technical capabilities. And then on a personal level, I mean, I've been a a fan all my life of uh, Formula One and IndyCar. Um, My dad was a a team owner at Indy uh, in 78, 79 using a five-year-old McLaren chassis and a lot of little things that I don't even think Donald Davidson would know, you know. But uh, uh, it goes into the background here. And so uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, be be clear that we've done this. Uh, to, to win races and try and compete championship. But, uh, you know, on a personal level, um, uh, this is, this is what I want to be doing full time. And, uh, and this, these, these partnerships of both arrow and, I mean, there's, there's 32 other ones behind them, you know, Cypress and Lucas Oil of 15 years and, and, uh, you know, on and on and on. So for all of us combined, uh, the added, uh, global exposure and, uh, Opportunities—it's just uh, a fantastic uh, way to go. Arrow obviously raised the bar two years ago with Club Five, and uh, and we intend to keep doing that on every on every aspect of the business. So, super excited that uh, McLaren's you know placed Jill uh, Jill and in uh, sort of the uh, the the head connect for us there because uh, with his championships in IndyCar, his Indy 500 victory. Uh, his long-term association with Roger Pensky you know, just so many, so many, yeah, his, his ownership of his own team that was successful. I mean, uh, really excited to work with him as a major conduit, uh, in the clearance situation. But then it's just kind of, uh, sure, um, uh, we want to make sure that we manage the opportunities. That's probably our biggest challenge is the fact that we see a lot of opportunities, uh, both on the technical side of the business and on the commercial side of the business. And, and I think we need to manage those opportunities carefully to uh, to not be overwhelmed. So just setting up the structure to do that and uh, and moving forward, very exciting for all of our partners. Uh, you know, you saw this year we got to where it was uh, Aero Schmidt-Peterson with uh, two identically uh, branded uh, entries, and that was sort of my ultimate goal for a long time as a new car team owner. Uh, you'll see that transition. Um with the, with the McLaren Orange influence, uh, to where we have that same thing going next year. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't rule out ever, uh, you know, running a third car. Uh, there certainly will be a third car in Indy, but, uh, um, but I think our priority first and foremost is to, uh, is to position the, the two cars, um, you know, with identical liveries and, uh, and every opportunity those two cars have to win, uh, you know, win races, win the 500 win a championship. So, a third, a third full-time entry is not really on the radar now, but uh, we would rule it out for sure.
2: Well, joining us now from California is Jeremy Shaw. Good evening, Jeremy. This is quite an interesting uh, tie-up between McLaren and Darrow Schmidt-Peterson. What are your thoughts on it?
6: I'm somewhat perplexed by, by it, I must admit. I mean, I thought the relationship between Sam Schmidt and... Honda and Hinchcliffe and, and all the rest of the entities, really, was pretty darn good. I'm trying to put myself in Sam's, look at it from Sam's perspective, and I'm struggling a bit because he loves his racing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's super enthusiastic about this, this program as far as I'm concerned. I must admit, I haven't really seen him for a few weeks, so, so I, haven't, I don't really have any sort of a feel for it. And I'm just sort of going from, from my gut feeling That's on this fine. thing. and I don't really quite understand it, to be honest, because he's his, the master of his own destiny right now. Could, does he need some help on the management side of it? Well possibly. But you're not gonna have a, a any major role, I wouldn't have thought, with with McLaren involved on the other side of it. You know, de Deferron is gonna be the link between what is now SPM and and what is already McLaren and, and you know, Jill's now been heavily involved in various different programmes for McLaren now for, for eighteen months or more. You know, and he himself is a former team principal. He's run yes. cars in, in sports cars and I think has always probably wanted to be an IndyCar team principal as well, so here's his opportunity. But again, I go back to Sam Schmidt. Where's this Lee Sam? I mean, he's done a really good job, Sam, of putting everything together and finding sponsorship for drivers who, who, you know, by and large aren't necessarily bringing their own funding to this program. So I don't know. It, it, it's an odd one.
2: Well, particularly intriguing is the change of engine supplier. Because Sam Schmidt uh, has been with Honda. Uh, pretty much the entire time he's been in IndyCar uh, and he's got a driver in James Hinchcliffe who's a Honda ambassador in Canada. Uh, so, it's not just us asking these questions and uh, Sam was asked whether it was a difficult decision to move from Honda to Chevrolet.
5: I mean, it's extremely difficult, you know. Because um, there is that loyalty, there is that, uh, that length of time and a lot of success and at the end of the day, there are uh, they're a great, uh, you know, motorsports and an OEM operator, and um, you know when they when they aren't winning, they do everything possible to win. So we we wanted to stay in that camp. Um, uh, so when you when you draw the line down the center of the paper and you you put your pros and cons on each side, I mean that was definitely a big a big negative, uh, you know, to doing this deal. But on the other side of the page, there was so many positives that uh, it really was you know a no-brainer. And at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just unfortunate, but it was you know, it's ultimately their decision. James has been a great asset to the team, you know, for the last uh five years and uh and he's he's a brilliant ambassador for all of our partners, you know. Um, it's one of those unfortunate things, uh, when you do what's best in the team, but uh you know, the the relationship with Honda Canada and American Honda was uh was direct between James and, and uh and them and so we don't even know, you know. <laughs> We don't even know what those details were, or what those obligations were, so uh we don't we don't anticipate it having effect on his final year, of his contract as far as we're concerned. But uh uh but yeah, we're we're excited to have him on our team.
4: And Hinchcliffe himself has said, it's rather unfortunate what this means for our relationship with Honda. They're another company that's done so much for me. And when the time uh, is right, a discussion to what that means for my partnership with them and Honda Canada will need to occur. But that's secondary right now to this exciting news. I've worked with General Motors in the past and look forward to rekindling that relationship in 2020. So clearly Hinchcliffe feels that he can move on. Sam seems to to make have made the, the same Decision, but he does want to keep Hinchcliffe. I-, I presume that's because of the Arrow sponsorship. Who's also going to steer on board, and, and that's been an important part because that's now a, a part of the, the team title, isn't it? It's Arrow Schmidt Peterson.
6: Very much so, and, and and Arrow also has been on the side of McLarens, has it not? It has fairly recently in Formula One. Yeah, uh, which I hadn't really noticed before. It, it was and on the
4: um, it was on the halo at the last race, if I remember rightly.
6: Look, I mean Arrow. Clearly, does things properly. I mean, you just look at their hospitality suite they have at the IndyCar events. I mean, it is Formula One-esque. There's nothing else like it in IndyCar these days. There used to be 20 years or so ago. It, there was a lot of high-profile hospitality areas in IndyCar paddock, particularly in Champ Car paddock. Uh, not so much these days. I mean, Penske has a, a pretty comprehensive area, certainly Andretti does. Uh, but it isn't anything like, I don't believe, the the Arrow one. So the, there's certainly some synergies there between arrows and, and Arrow and... McLaren already. That all side of it make, makes a lot of sense. Yes, everybody is talking about James staying there and mm. and he he does a good job. Is he a superstar? Well, he is in terms of personality, yes, which yes, is hugely is. important. And he's a heck of a good driver. Is he on in the same league as, as some of the other top, 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 top guys? Well, possibly not. But he can certainly get the job done. He's won races and, and he's a you know regular front-runner when given the opportunity to do so. So, you know, he's, he's I think probably... A, a linchpin to this mm. I, I would have certainly thought so but again i'm just surprised about that the the move away from honda that's the biggest thing that i can't quite get my head around i mean chevrolet is is they've won championships with penske um going to continue to win championships with penske whether or not do this year uh, is, is irrelevant because they're, they're certainly going to be are moving forward and i believe i presuming that, that relationship is as strong as it as it appears to be mm-hmm. and will be continuing Chevy also has great ties with with the Ed Carpenter's team now who've done a fantastic job this season. I mean regularly Spencer Pigot and or uh, Ed Jones have been have been you know knocking on the door and or quicker than the Penske's from time to time mm-hmm. so they've done a really really good good job with that now the the other main Chevy team well there's Carlin of course Jay Foy's uh, you know, A.J.'s cars have been at the back, which is something that um, rankles horribly, of course, with A.J. Of course. But but do, does – I mean, my point here again is, does Chevrolet really need or want another absolute front-running team? Yeah, that's Because a good point. Honda's not going to come here just to make up their numbers. So, yeah, are we missing something here? Is there a new manufacturer coming in? Th- that's the sort of thing that, that kind of piques my interest – your Chevy has been you know, confirmed, have they not? With as part of this program, yes, and, yes. You know, all the Chevy people are saying yes. So, so that, so that's you throw that out. You know, yes. You know, that, I think you unless it's only, that.
4: unless it's only for a year, or a couple of years. If there is a a new manufacturer, what I would say, Jeremy, and I might be putting two and two together and making five here. It can't be Honda if Alonso is going to come back even and just do the Indy 500, because we know that the relationship between. Honda and Alonso broke down irrevocably. They didn't like what he said about the Formula One engines, whether it's, uh, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, and everybody's got a view about that. But at least it leaves the door open for Alonso to come back and even if he only does the Indy 500, I can't see him doing the full season, I didn't think he would.
2: Well, Alonso was something that uh, Zach Brown talked about on Monday, so let's hear his uh, words on the Fernando Alonso situation.
0: Uh, I'll be uh, seeing Fernando uh, at the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, he's well aware of uh, everything that's going on with our IndyCar activities and has been for some time. I don't think his desire to uh, win the Indy 500 has diminished at all. He has not shown uh, an interest yet, I should say, in a full season of IndyCar. You know, he's coming off of 20 years of lots of racing, and I think he wanted to take the second half of this year off to see what he wants to do in the future. I think he would be an outstanding talent in IndyCar. I personally think, uh, knowing him as well as I do, in his driving style, he'd be immensely successful and welcomed and would enjoy it. But Fernando's the type of individual that you put the opportunity in front of him and let him make his decision. So uh, I'll be picking that up with him in in about a month's time, um, but I would not anticipate in 2020 him having a desire to do a full full season.
2: Well, Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent, is with us as well this evening. Nick, are you in agreement with Zach Brown? Is Fernando Alonso not wanting to do a full season of IndyCar and just wants to do the Indy 500?
7: I don't think he necessarily wants to do either or both or whatever. I think I think where Alonso is at the moment is he is waiting to see what's available. He knows that some formula and some seats are waiting for him. Um, the Alon- the uh, McLaren seat both uh, for the season and for the Indy 500 waiting. Other seats may or may not turn up he might be interested in. And that would be something I'm sure we'll discuss later. He still wants to win the 500 though. Yes, but there's a, I said we'll discuss. The, I don't want to preempt something I'm going to say later, but there are other options in the fire potentially. For the five hundred? No. For him doing other stuff. For him doing the thing he really wants to Which do. Which is back to Formula One. Yes. 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 Of course that. But. And he's waiting to see what happens, and the wait and see has taken on a new spectre this week, and then we'll see. Then we will see when he gets to the back end of the season he will have the options in November knowing what's not available elsewhere to decide so, well, what wants to do. Alan Prosser just tweeted in that about your team. He said, uh,
3: regarding the Fernando Alonso and Honda thing, he said, I did think it was funny when Fernando was asked if a certain corner of Barcelona last year was flat out when they had Honda, he said, for us, every corner's flat out. I mean, that relationship, that's gone. So there the, the cannot be McLaren and... And Honda, if if Fernando's part of it.
7: Well, yeah, and the time's a great healer, isn't it? And he, you know, he, got, he was quite nice about with Indy that time two years ago, and you know, it's. I think people tend to grow up after a while. I think I think certain people in motorsport have annoyed Honda significantly more than Alonso has in the last week.
3: All right, stay with us and listen in, um, Jeremy. The other thing I'm interested in is how this affects uh, Smith. Peterson's Motorsports current relationship with uh, their partners like My Shank Racing (MSR). Now, I'm certain I'm, I've read somewhere the current relationship comes to an end at the end of the year, end of this season, and uh, that's the 60 Jack Harvey car. So there, there are more pieces here than than just the the principles that we've been
6: talking about, isn't there? There's a lot of collateral damage. You're absolutely. I mean, and a couple of things here I'm going to talk about. One is the fact that. The hope was that McLaren would come in to the NTT IndyCar Series, and it'd be an extra team. There'd be one more team involved. Yes. Okay. That appears not, therefore, to be the case. So we're still at the same number of cars as we were last year. Effectively, it's just a change of team name. If, in the bottom line, you look at the numbers, and possibly, as you say, with some with some potential there of. Of calamity with uh, with with uh, with Mike Shank and and you know and uh, and the Mike Shank organization and Jack Harvey. So that's one thing that's not as positive as it might be because you always like to see more teams coming in more cars being involved I mean the numbers they've got now 22 23 sometimes 24 it's a good number to have uh, but they would like Twenty-five, six, seven on a regular basis, no question about it. And I think they were, the hope was that this would add. The other thing is, you, talk, you talked about Alonso having burned his bridges with, with, with Honda. Uh, yes, um, particularly with Honda Japan. But, but I think probably McLaren has done the same as well. Yes, so, that, um, that is a fair point. That is a fair point. I, I don't think, um, yeah. So I, can, I, can't, you know, I think the Honda thing is over. The- no,
4: then. I, I, I completely concur. Second seat then. I suppose we've got to talk... Uh, about that Colton Hurt has got a drive with the Harding-Steinbrenner team but of course they aren't particularly financially viable perhaps I know that Andretti have got uh, a, an option on, on Colton but they've got four drivers already could that be a fifth? Maybe you've got Connor Daly you've got Marcus Erickson. uh you've got Pato or Ward uh, Zach Brown's a big Pato fan and met with him at at Long Beach, uh, Spencer Piggott, and then there's Felipe Naza, who tested the Arrow SPM IndyCar at Mid-Ohio, just before we saw him at Road America, had a great time, thoroughly
6: enjoyed it,
4: and he certainly is, has been in the past on, on McLaren's radar.
6: Philippe Nazar is, is a real deal driver. As, as an, another guy didn't mention there is, um, is Oliver Askew, too, yes, who's good point. You know, look, looking to come into the sport. And and uh, Gilles Laferrin, for example, knows Oliver because Gilles was past the selection process for TBSA a few years ago mm. um, and was massively impressed with with Oliver then. Uh, and I'm sure those two have kept in touch. Uh, whether he is ready for this level of... of Operation is possibly questionable, but I, I, personally, I think he is. Um, he's a real-deal driver. But certainly, Felipe Nazar is absolutely well toward the top of any sort of list, particularly, of course, having tested with the SPM team last week. So he would be absolutely the very, very top of the list, I would think. He has been out of sport, he's been out of single-seater racing for two or three, three years. But, but, you know, for, for IndyCar, for the IndyCar series, with its breadth of tracks, mm. um, with its versatility being a... Uh, a massive must-have for any driver. Uh, he's got to be at the top of any. Of this, because he doesn't have the over experience, so he's no. got. He has a steep learning curve. But um, I think, if if assuming James stays there, um, and I still think it's a big if, even though that's what everybody's
4: two, saying
6: yeah. is going to happen, the combination of somebody like. Felipe and James would, would certainly be good. Mm. I think it's – I'm a little surprised they aren't looking at talk or talking about running more than two cars, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. I would have thought with the tie-ups of those two organisations, Sam's already running two. It, it's very capable of running three. three, three. Yes. Um, and then with McLaren side coming in as well, it, unless it's just Gilles Ferran who's going to be the uh, part of that organisation, I find that very unlikely. Mm. Then um, – I, you know, I'm surprised there wouldn't be more people in, in running. But, you know, Marcus done a, you know, he's he hasn't starred yet, but I think he, he has the potential to do so if, if things kind of fall his way. Um, so he's got to be in the mix also. And, and, then, and of course, there's, there's Robbie Wickens, who Sam has, has said from the, word, from the moment of that accident at Pocono one year ago, when he is fit again, not if, when he is yes. fit again, there will be a car for him, and, and I believe uh, you know, Zach Brown confirmed that as well. It so,
4: does um, put that test of Felipe Nassas into a completely different light. Uh, you know, when we were talking to him, I think Chase took the microphone under his nose at, at Road America and he said how much he'd uh, enjoyed it. At that time, it was a bit of a, hmm, that's interesting, You know, but would he go to Sam Sam's team uh, have they got the sponsorship and uh, the wherewithal to be able to pay him a wage and all that? But bringing McLaren into the picture there that puts a completely different complexion on that test now, doesn't it?
6: Completely agree with you. Yes, uh, I, I mean I think he's a shoo-in for it now. I, I'd be I'd be really surprised if he wasn't part of it. Philippe, he he still has uh, open wheel aspirations. He 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 realizes he's not going to get a he's probably not going to get a call from Ferrari or Red Bull or. Mercedes, so uh, Formula One is pretty much out of his picture now. But he's still managed by uh, by Stephen Robertson, and Steve is, you know, keeps his finger on the pulse. He he'll he'll know everybody in Formula One. He'll know all the McLaren contacts. He's got, you know many inns around the world, and and um, I'm sure he would love for Felipe to be driving for McLaren in IndyCar. I think it makes a lot of sense all the way around. Yes, I'd be shocked if he wasn't part of it. Uh,
2: there's also the aspect uh, possibly of. IndyCar drivers being able to test uh, a Formula 1 car? This is something else that Zach Brown was asked about.
0: Yeah, we currently have a, a rookie driver. Uh, you know, there's an obligation of, of some rookie tests in Formula 1 and certainly uh, if we feel that one of our IndyCar drivers has a, a credible uh, chance in Formula 1, then uh, for sure uh, we would look to put that driver in for, uh, for some rookie, rookie testing. I think that's one of the, uh, exciting things about a, a combined Formula One and IndyCar effort is it will create opportunities for, for drivers, for engineers, um, especially as we look into the uh, budget cap and Formula One world will start to change, uh, There'll be different ways to deploy uh, our resources, but but specifically on drivers, the answer is yes for the right one.
2: Again, Nick, Formula One uh, testing opportunities very limited, even for rookies. So, what are the chances of anyone from the McLaren IndyCar <laughs> team actually getting to that get was, zap- into that was zap- in a Formula uh, One by car by the way on oh, Monday that you just heard?
7: Yeah, uh, virtually zero, I would say. Um, IndyCar transfers to F one have been universally unsuccessful. Uh, ever since 1996 when uh, Jacques Villeneuve came across and there's no reason to think it's going to change particularly Um, realistically as you said the the testing time is so limited and it's likely to get even more limited in the next couple of years that you can't do the let's give this person a test because they've done well type thing. You need somebody who can hit the ground. And the biggest reason being is they but need why to, would you give them a test? The biggest reason is they need to know the tires, and therefore they need to come up through the the F3, F2, F1 power, So you know that you know the parade tires. Otherwise, what's the, the point of the giving test? them a test? Well, you only give someone a test. There's two reasons you give someone a test. One, because you think they've got a chance of making it, or two, because you're trying to suck up to them. Yeah. So the sucking up thing has kind of died recently, so you you must think they're going to make it into F1. What about the Pato Award thing that I mentioned earlier on? Well, Um, it's been co-opted. He's relatively in, recently, he's in the, in the Red Re- Bull driver. He's program. in the super stable and and not worrying at all. <laughs> Red Bull program where nothing yeah. ever happens and no one gets dropped overnight from either the entire program or a particular team. So uh, he's on that roller coaster. He that's him side, I suppose i say sidetracked, but at least paid to be driving in Japan and elsewhere over the next couple of seasons. So it's unlikely we'll see him. But you know, it's the Red Bull program. I mean, who knows? For all we know, he'll be on the KTM next week after Zarco has come off it. You know. <laughs> Quickly, let's look forward
4: to. Uh, a little bit uh, closer to home, we can speculate like mad about all of that. and Wait for the details to come out. The ABC Supply 500. Conor Daly added to the series this weekend in the 59 Gallagher Chevrolet for Carlin, uh, and he's also going to be in the car for the Bomberito Autumn Motor 500 uh, at Gateway.
6: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, consecutive races in the same team. Uh, that that'll be uh, a big a bigger opportunity for him. And then he's also signed up, isn't he, for the season finale with Andretti again. again so in the Air Force car. So uh, things are certainly looking up for Conrad. I'm thrilled for him. He's, he's uh, he's worked super, super hard. He's always there and thereabouts. he drive, he'd be driving the you know, safety cars or driving the two-seater cars. He's there, feet on the ground, knocking on doors, talking to people, doing exactly what it, what he needs to do to get, to get himself up, up to get opportunities for himself. And then when he does get an opportunity, he's, he's, He's delivered, OK. He might not have got a, a win under his belt yet this season, nor has he, has he got a, a, even a top five. But uh, he's shown himself to be super capable. He's, mm. you know, last time out at Iowa with Carlin, did a really good job there, uh, and, and ditto at, um, at Indianapolis. I'm thrilled for him. I think he's deserved this opportunity, uh, and I think it bodes well for him moving forward.
4: Four races to go for the championship. Joseph Newgarden goes in with a 16-point lead over Alexander Rossi, so that's Penske versus Andretti Autosport. Simon Pagano sitting there, and of course Scott Dixon. Uh, you can never. So that's two Penskes, Chip Ganassi, and Andretti Autosport. That is the big three as far as the teams are concerned, and four extremely capable drivers. Uh, where would you where would
6: your money go if you had to put the house on on one of those four? Uh, hard to hard to believe it not coming down to the, f- the final race and and all of them have run well. there in the past, so right. uh, it's going to be uh, you know, it's going to be a fantastic uh, I think final four races of the season. Really good. It's been a great championship it having it all the way around. Um, you know, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. I mean, mid Ohio was so bizarre with Joseph throwing it away on that last last line and uh, you know chucking away, what twenty points probably. Mm. You don't need to be doing it this stage of the season. That was really. Um, unfortunate for him and the characteristic as well. So he'll be very, very keen to bounce back from that. Chevy has looked pretty good, I think, on all the oval tracks this season. So yes. that should continue at Pocono. And then, you know, the final few races, as I say, he's gone well in all of those. You know, he had that brilliant pass on, on Simon Paginot, didn't he at Gateway a couple of years ago? That was a bit of a... Oh, that was uh,
4: extraordinary. Uh, uh,
6: and, and I would have a hard time picking from any of those guys right now. Jeremy Shaw, who'll be with me next week
3: for an incredibly busy... Uh, vir which is the michelin gt challenge at vir um, with a fair wind and a bit of technological help we might have share adam talking about the entry list for that later on just waiting for that to drop <laughs> and see what's happening i've got a couple of things happening with that, I think, that we can talk about already tonight, uh, but we'll wait for the official entry list to happen. We've been sitting on a couple of stories for quite a long time, longer than some people realise about driver changes on that. Have I got time to do a couple of tweets, uh, Tim, on all, all the of that? All the time in the world. Oh, excellent. you listen to Midweight Motorsport, Series 14, Episode 31. Uh, I'll get Tim to look at some uh, scores to prove that we're live uh, by uh, while while we're doing this uh, right turnlove says mclaren honda had an excellent ring to it until a couple of years ago <laughs> went very
2: wrong very wrong
3: uh, chris Mattias says well, he says uh, a
2: couple of years ago he means about 20 doesn't
3: well he? yes it ha- didn't actually come back very well did it mclaren powered by chevy not the first time it's happened in racing uh, i place before the court says chris quite rightly canam in 1968 that kind of worked nick yeah, put the biggest engine possible and just go, Brum. Yes, uh, um, number of people saying, "What about this switch to Chevy? How does it affect James Um There's obviously, as we mentioned there, uh, with Jeremy, there are uh, he's an ambassador um, for, I think you were saying, Tim, uh, USA Honda USA and Honda Canada, but that deal is is with James personally and and Sam Schmidt. Uh, it's been very clear in that press conference that's not a team deal and James basically saying I think we, the, the the quote is out there saying look that'll have to be sorted out there'll have to be a uh, a, a conversation but right now I'm more excited about what's happening here and now but it, I mean it hasn't except the driver market it's just yeah. after Rossi was settled in and everything, mm. and everybody thought, okay, that's fine. It's going to be a bit boring. It's not. We're not going to have a silly season for IndyCar. We've lit the blue touch paper, here Because every man and his dogs going to want that. Yeah, um,
7: just, so, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jeremy by the way. I think it's, it's a bit disappointing. This is a takeover of an existing team and not new cars. Mm. Um, that is disappointing.
3: Um, but, but, I what, what I, I should say, is that wouldn't have been the case, I think, if McLaren hadn't nosed up. Indy 500 so much because it was my understanding remember Bob Fernley was taken on to run the IndyCar programme not Gilda Ferren
7: who's been placed into it now yes because they got Andrew Seidel to run the F1 team
2: correct so and Nick what's his name Nick Fry is it but
3: Bob Fernley was brought on to run that and it was my understanding that they would run a single car for a couple of races towards the end of the season and have a two car McLaren team next year after Indy and the debacle there that wasn't that that wasn't able to happen. So well, is, no, I
7: think it shows, is this
3: a soft is
7: this a soft opening if you, you will is this a a, a toe in the water? No, I think it shows actually using some intelligence and not arrogantly thinking we they, well they arrogantly thought they could do it they got burnt they now realise they can't arrogantly do it they need the expertise they've done they've done the intelligent thing on that front in 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 purchasing an existing running team which is towards the front so I I think it, that's a very positive adult way of going about things to be honest. It doesn't stop them expanding to no, more cars. Later. No, and just, just going back on the Hinchcliffe thing, um, basically, uh, he, he's making all the right PR terms, but he is effectively funded through Honda. He has Honda funding as well, and he will go to a different team that currently runs Honda. It, but he's saying the right things because he has to. That's what you say, isn't it? Um, we, we all play the game in these sort of situations, but Hinchcliffe won't be with the team. He will uh, find a different Honda-based berth because that works for him financially and for Honda as well on their in their marketing side of things. The question I have is mm-hmm. quite marketing-based.
3: Mm. He's very I have, good at that.
2: Uh, is about um, what they think they're going to achieve with the Chevrolet because at the moment Penske is the only team that's doing anything good with a Chevrolet. So Penske have obviously unlock the secret to that engine mm. and all the other teams that are running them are not doing very well.
3: well and, and Penske a Penske. So, you know, that's that's the way they are. I like Jeremy's thought about is this a placeholder? Is there something else happening? Is there another manufacturer coming in? And when will that happen? Um, if there's another manufacturer, I hear not till probably 2021, 2022. But in
2: 2020, so, 20, 20, uh, Twenty twenty two. You've also got hybrids coming in.
3: Yes, exactly. So, hybrids. So and McLaren
2: uh, are quite uh, experienced with hybrids.
3: And so is the other manufacturer who I've heard are interested. So, you know, uh, why would you come in now? You wouldn't. As another manufacturer, you wouldn't come in now and spend all the money to develop a new car in the same way as Ford won't come into DPI for a year or a couple of years. They'll wait until DPI twenty twenty two. This is the same sort of thing. Oh, hang on a second, and. DPI 2022 with a hybrid, IndyCarb with a hybrid, both in North America. Hang on, two for the price of one for hey. a new manufacturer. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense, Nick, when everybody is looking at the bottom line?
7: Obviously, yes. But I, mean, I, I you're, you're looking at me like I should know this new manufacturers. I don't. We haven't had that conversation yet. So uh, I'm sitting there going, ooh. Mm. Um, um, no, I think I think it's I, I think it's McLaren is a good move, McLaren. I, I think this is well done. I think the, sh- the Chevy thing, as you say, is if you, if you look at Penske, Pensky are, are a top team. The other top teams on the whole tend to be running um, Hondas. So what's cause and what's effect? Uh,
3: got a quick update on the Vitality Blast at Northampton.
2: Yeah, ninety-three for one.
3: Well, that that's Sorry Lancashire. Lancashire's yeah, hundred so for one, one hundred
2: and fifty-seven for seven. Which uh, yeah, not a is great score. Sure. Not a great yeah. score from Northamptonshire on the home not ground. Northamptonshire aren't going to win this.
3: Well, uh, Alex Davis and Stephen Croft are going along quite nicely for Lancashire and Keating it, Jennings is it, still to come in. Is
7: this literally just to annoy Shea? No, no, it's a <laughs> proof of life. People, there oh, are people who I think... I give you 1-0. This, this is it 1-0, is it? Yes.
2: All right. This match uh, in... Uh, I would have been there had it not right been tonight. This match at Northampton mm-hmm. is going to end because of bad light, isn't it? They no, it flood can't lights. end because they it's under the floodlights. Flood
3: flood it's under floodlights. Okay. It's, it's a vitality
7: blast some that of goes the, on. Some of, the clu- some of the grounds have got floodlights permanently and some actually they, they bust the floodlights in, don't they? No, they use the Mercosystems. They, they truck them in, do they? Which are, which are very good. And um, then there's I,
2: some I, which have them but aren't allowed to use them because the residents complain about... Uh, light pollution I say well, this by the way that won't because,
7: be the case with Northampton because the football ground used to be there as well
2: um, I, I, say
3: th- I say this in the certain knowledge that Jet one of our listeners is down there tonight ah. uh, with a boy and having a great time by all accounts from Instagram and social media so he'll be listening to this as one of our 100,000-plus downloads of Midweek Motorsport a week. So, Jet, I hope you had a good time, <laughs> even if the result didn't... Well, I Have don't know. You might, be... it, you, don't know. It, you might it, be a
2: Lancastrian.
3: It's No-one it... knows. No, anything can happen in a, in a 2020 game. Shall we move on? You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, Series 14, Episode 31. Nick Damon is with me, John Hindoff, here at Hindoff Towers. And uh, down at our London control room, uh, Tim Greer is going to move us on down. to the next story. Oop, oh, sorry, oop. Oh, I haven't done that for a long time. You haven't done that for a decade. Mm. Oh, I think you have. Uh, the has just tweeted us and said, uh, "Making 11 million 11 million and one one." As we're on holiday and forgot about the time dist- <laughs> difference. So I'm going to listen to the <laughs> to, to, to the download. Yeah, to one's always important. Always important. That extra little one. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move. Thank you for all the kind comments, by the way, about our download numbers. Uh, let's move on. Uh, up in London, Tim Gray is going to move us to the next story. Where would you like us to go?
2: Uh, well, I know where I'd like to go, uh, and that's <coughs> to uh, Oman, who earlier on beat uh, Papua New Guinea by five runs. Of course uh, they did. But what? Moving yeah. on. You didn't know they played cricket in Papua New Guinea, did you? No. I'm sure
7: they played everything. Mm-hmm.
2: Moving on. Uh, Formula One. Yeah, Has no news because they're all on holiday and everything you no. hear will be uh, Nonsense. made up or old.
7: And... Of the 25 stories that came out, I was completely correct with 24. You were. and That's more a bit like she and
3: her, how many people in the world speak Spanish. That is the same as
7: hers. It's just not Spain. The thing is, the 25th one was sneaked out. And such a big announcement being sneaked out is interesting in itself. Mm. Because the news we talk about, obviously, is a Wait, PA- wait, wait. Can I just say, yeah. more interesting on, than that,
3: is, as you pointed out on Twitter when it came out... And by the way, can I just say, we've always said that McLaren will be going into IndyCar. And we also broke the news of Mexico Grand Prix before mm. it came out last week. Uh, and we've had a couple of other things that we've been ahead of the game off recently. However, Christian Horner. When we get
2: to Motor GP, we'll, uh, we'll have, have we'll, another one of those. We'll
7: gloat even more. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. <laughs> uh, 11 million gloats. Chris, Christian Horner. Christian Horner. What, at did, what did he say? What did he say? Yes.
7: We are not changing our drivers for the end of the season.
3: Uh, he said
2: Pierre Gasly's seat is safe, safe. At the end, uh, until safe. at least the end of the season. Yeah.
3: So, here's the question. Before we even get into Go anything on. else, yeah, yeah. here's the question to me. Was he lying, or does he not know what's going on with his team, or is he not really in charge of his team? Or the
2: third option.
3: That, that would be no, the fourth three. option. Or the fourth, or the fourth
2: <laughs> option. Yes,
3: <laughs> The comfy chair. Uh,
2: <laughs> the fourth option. No one expects that. Uh, we give the manager our full support, well, say the board of X well, Football Club. That
3: That is... When the board say that in January, he's got an OBE, hasn't he? He's out by Easter.
7: So have <laughs> so, that. So, you know, <laughs> great. You haven't supported a club like something. I've a team far worse than something. We just don't change his managers because
3: there's nothing you can do. No, there's nothing. So, which one of those then? Was, it, was he being disingenuous? Did he not know what was happening? Is he not running the team? Or was he just flat out lying to us to try and, and, and keep... The, I, believe, PR, I, I believe.
7: that when he said it, he probably still believed it because right. it was at the end of the Hungarian race, where Pierre Gasly had been dreadful, um, and Gasly, Gasly, uh, Max Verstappen had been very good. And I think they sat down, and the problem they have is that they're, is this a the problem they got, John? Is they're better than they thought they were going to be this year? <laughs> so they are now in a dogfight with Ferrari for second overall. Mm. And Gasly is not contributing what he needs to contribute. You know, Red Bull in not as bad as we thought we were. No, Red Bull in much better than we thought we were going to be. They they were being realistic with the Honda partnership, and everything's kind of worked well. They've had a good upgrade, and suddenly they found themselves on a par. You know, fast circuit Ferrari, slower circuit. You know, it's it's Red Bull for the second-best team. And they want to come second. And they also think, well, we we think the project's gone so far forward with Honda, we have an actual genuine chance of winning the whole lot next year. But to do that we need two drivers firing. In fairness, right turn
3: lovers hit the nail on the head. As uh, he said, Gasly's seat is safe it's just a bit more mobile than he was
7: expecting. Well, what well, what I what I'd like is and what what you see happening. If you not if you see what's happening between um, Toro Rosso and Red Bull. Hmm. They basically got the major league baseball concept. So they come from oh. the, you come from AAA, AAA, like, AAA. Triple A A Toro Rosso and you're called up to the main team then back down again so you get a few pitches. But you know, the, people said, oh, why are they called up Albon? But, well, because Albon's their unknown quantity. They know yeah. what Danny Kiviet can do. They know what Gasly can do. They'll stick Albon in the car for nine races, see what he can do. And then, they get the end of the season, they have to make a decision. Who is going to be the best chance of them winning the Constructors' Championship and, more importantly, taking points off... Um, the other teams, but one of the problems was because Gas is not taking points off off anyone else or giving any strategic issues. The thing like uh, the free pit stop that um, Hamilton had in uh, Hungary is able able to take place. So they now need to try all their, their drivers. So at the end of the the end of the season, they'll, they'll know which of their three drivers are good enough to become Verstappen's teammate. Or far more interestingly, John, they will decide perhaps they're not good enough, and then they might make a call to Spain. For someone who is good enough. Which is going back to what we were talking about. That's the opportunity that Alonso is waiting for. For Red Bull? Yes, because it comes down to the fact that Red Bull can't afford to have a non-firing number two second driver in the main team next year. if They think they're going to win and they think they're going to win the the, uh, World Championship because you need the spoiler on good weekends to take points off the the challengers.
2: What engines in that
7: Red Bull? a honda It's honda. not he can't go back to honda. i keep telling you this is this is you you've got this kind of conceptual idea of honda from the 80s it's not how it is now this is a corporate entity the fact is we can all talk about burnt bridges and everything else in the end of the day results and cash count far more than a few hurt feelings and some dodgy radio messages it's you know why has he extracted himself from a toyota contract why is he not committing to anything because there's an opportunity there, it's not gonna happen. It's not 100, percent but let's say you, you. You're Christian Horner, or you're Marco, or you're the whole team. Albon doesn't. I, I must. Be, I rank Albon as you know. I said he was the best rookie. Literally, mm-hmm. the other two done brilliantly as well. So all three of them are brilliant this year. Mm-hmm. However, it's a massive ask, and do we really? And if he just produces gasly esque performances, even gasly plus plus five percent, it's not enough. He has to immediately leap into you know, really on the edge of being as good as a, a number two as Bottas and everything else in comparison. If he doesn't do that and you're a Red Bull and you want to win, and don't forget, if they think they got a chance in 2020, they need to go for it because no one knows what the regulation reset will bring up. They turn around the arrogance, we've got Newey. Well, Newey's got things wrong over the last three years. So, yes, he's brilliant, but it doesn't always work. Obviously, Albon Al, uh,
3: going to... Red Bull at Milton Keynes, he'll resonate with the girls and boys who are down there.
7: Very good, uh, but uh, I would put there are some uh, yeah, it's very a little green spaces, a little park life out That's there very as well. very good, very good. Um, but um, yeah, so they, they 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 don't want to hold it back for 21. They think they got a chance in 20. They need the best team possible. And realistically, if you could look out there and you're going to devise the best team you could get, do you think you get do you think you would get Alonso cheaply or relatively because he doesn't need the money, relatively. does he? Pound fifty, he wouldn't care. The only what do, oh, no, right. just to argue, just to argue against myself. The one other thing that might happen is Valtteri Bottas. But well, what about Verstappen? What what? Say does Verstappen he have? In he this? doesn't care. He's not interested. And he can't. And if it came out, he blocked Alonso. His little shining star of Marvels and would disappear very quickly. Right. Because you know he must be good. But the other good thing, to remember, is if Mercedes do drop Bottas, then does Bottas oh. probably becomes a better option for Red Bull. Uh, Nick says not this Nick another
3: Nick uh, Nick Holland says if Alonso is smart he'll do a points for Euros deal with Red Bull or Mercedes and have a blinding 2020 but Alonso playing second fiddle question mark
7: but Alonso has that he doesn't hat. care does he doesn't think, doesn't, and also he doesn't think he is going to play second fiddle this is the point. Results will say who's playing 2nd for You're second not dealing...
3: Is that with, what you're saying? You're
7: not, yeah, you're not dealing with a level two driver who's coming in. You're dealing with a guy who, you know, for, one of the problems is he's a level one driver and knows he's a level one driver. Now, as I said before, arguing against myself, there's obviously the opportunity but Bottas might turn out, and Bottas is an excellent number two, as we know, and has relevant Mercedes experience. But Red Bull would have to jump quickly to him because if, if if he does get dropped by Mercedes in the summer break, then several other teams are going to try and sign him straight away. And other
3: teams that might make them number one.
7: Yes, but I mean, again, these drivers are arrogant enough to think we don't care about number one. Do we, know number one do we know number one, number two written to Red Bull contract. We all know that they're built round, You're built round something. There's no number one, number two in, in Mercedes either. But... Is the problem. Is the problem. Pl- pl- pl-
3: pl- pl- problem. Not, though. And Right Turned Lover brings this up at Spec Your and He's just tweeted As we know, Marco. Um, Marco is the problem, yeah. As head of. <laughs> Um, Red Bull's young driver program is not known to liberally hire non uh, Red
7: Bull program drivers, but the Red Bull program has collapsed around itself. It has not they looked the best. currently have resistance. Albon in the team, who up until January this year was just a fired Red Bull driver with a Formula E drive. They got Kvyat, who's been fired, hired, rehired, fired, and demoted, promoted, demoted. And now Gasly has been promoted and demoted. I love our listeners. Rob Chalmers has just
3: uh, uh, tweeted in. We'll take these as they come in. And Tim's got a question, I know. He's, uh, Rob Chalmers goes,
7: ahem, <coughs> Ocon. Not going to happen. Ocon will not get a Red Bull. Because of the because of Mercedes. The day. Mercedes too. Never mm-hmm. never ever happen. Um, more importantly, Mercedes. Ocon, Ocon to Mercedes? 100%. Yeah. 100%.
3: Because
7: just because of the. If you think about what's happening. So Bottas Pontre. goes, if he goes. If Bottas goes. Bottas is going. You think he's going? Yes. Right. I think Ocon. I think we. There's were, a shoe we, in there. I think we were soft. That was soft announced basically. But by, by once you're saying you're having the conversation, we know the, how the answer is going to be. a dead be. driver. The point about it is, is Bottas will get a number of offers because he is better than most of the midfield drivers. And people that we, we know, Sauber. there's a potential space with Ocon goes. Sorry, Alfa Romeo. A, there's Alfa Romeo. There's a space that Renault could easily drop the Hulkenberg for Bottas. You know, you've got a, re- a regular podium finisher against somebody who hasn't yeah, been a podium good point. You've got even, you know, you, so you start thinking, okay, there's options for him in the, the, the upper upper echelons of tier two. Or <laughs> does he get a kind of call from Red Bull saying, yeah, you're in for us?
3: Uh, Miles Cook has said, given RC Racing's confident predict- pred- predictions recently, can he please confidently predict that <laughs> Alonso will not join Red Bull next year and partner Max, because I want to see it. <laughs> I I think the you, you look Listen, I'll tell you one thing about that. Here's here's the thing. If it happens, it's box office in so many different ways because Chris, Christian Horner will not be able to handle the politics of those two.
7: No. But do they want to win, or do they want to play at it?
3: Do they want to win what? Do they want to win the drivers' championship, but, or do they want to win the, the manufacturers' it, championship? No,
7: no. That that, they that, want that to, is a they genuine want question. To, they want to win both, but the point about it is the, both far, the, the non-firing number two driver it affects your chance of winning with the main driver.
3: Because he's not taking because points, he's of not taking points off. He's
7: not yes. st- he's not reducing strategy. He's not getting point. front row lockouts. So, because no one expects next year for Red Bull to jump massively ahead of Mercedes. We expect them to get level with or there or thereabouts because they're on an upward go. Well, they're expecting that, John. Okay. So, if we then say... I was say, shaking right, my head a lot if there, If we then listener. say that they are dead level... Which is possible, right? And some tracks, you know, as we know, that means that there'll be tracks which yeah, you have to maximize the tracks you're good at by locking out the front row and getting one twos. Uh,
3: David Tooprew says, "I like Bottas. Unfortunately, I can't think of a more perfect number two. And this is from James Brown. Um, thanks, James. Hulkenberg to Red Bull, Bottas to Renault, Ocon to Merck. Ricciardo to Ferrari. Vettel retires just for giggles. Uh, not the, Tim,
7: not, not the silly thing I've heard. No, it's really
3: <laughs> no, not.
2: I don't know, uh, Ricciardo. Is, uh, I think, another nailed, year I when think I he's contract. nailed
7: down. So I think, yeah. Tim, what did you, you you wanted to
3: jump in? Uh, it's it's some we've time got four ago, minutes. Some time mm-hmm. ago, I know. I sorry, it was good. To
2: say, uh, what if Gasly uh, at Toro Rosso outperforms Albon at Red Bull?
7: How'd do you do that?
2: Well, maybe he's more suited to that car. Yes,
7: exactly. But then that's a good all question. that means is is that Albon has failed at Red Bull. Therefore, they're stuffed, and they're going to need to find a driver out with the um, the program. And you know. Let's be honest. We've we been talking about McLaren, who've admitted that they don't have the expertise to run the team on their own. Sometimes big teams have to admit they've got something wrong, and possibly Red Bull have to admit they've loused up their driver program, and go out with for for a couple of of uh, drivers or uh, uh, yeah, for, the, for the top team. You know, it, it's all very well having pride, but pride comes for a fall. Or in their case, pride comes for not winning a world championship. And they have to go, oh, fair enough, we we haven't got it, we need to get a stopgap, we can sign an experienced driver on a one-year or two-year contract, whilst we rework out our young driver uh, policy. I I tell you what, a number of people,
3: including Danny, says they think Alonso would go back to Formula One, even better driver than he was before, because of his WEC experience. Because what have we seen recently about drivers
7: having to manage tyres? And he's certainly learned to do that in WEC. What he needs to do is turn off his his political nobbling um which on the whole he nobbles himself and if you can turn that And off, just shut up and get on with it you know the thing about alonso is he's a fa- he, yeah he, we don't really know how good he still is it's 3 years since his last 4 years since his last competitive car however he is a great driver he's not the greatest qualifier but that's not the end of the world if you've got a good car
3: well particularly not nowadays with a effectively a mandatory pit stop and and the and the spectre of of tyre tactics which still most formula 1 teams have not got their head around I, that's the thing I scream at the television more, stat
7: I think, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly surprised about some of the decisions made by teams. But you know, the the, the top teams on the whole, um, I think some of the top teams have too many people making decisions. And I always thought that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's an interesting situation. I, 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 you know, it's very very likely that you know we'll sit here this time next year with Lewis Hamilton sitting in another great league, But it's it, it's also equal possible we'll have three teams very very close because Ferrari will will move forward. I think their car will improve. They still have a huge number of operation situations to sort out mm. uh, for next year. Red Bull are going absolutely in the right direction. Um, you know, thing to remember is it's a little bit false because they are burning engines faster than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will need to take another another engine. Uh, I think either in Spa or Italy, but the, it's easy to overtake there, so they'll choose one of those others and do that. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I mean, I think I think it's interesting, and I'm not surprised it happened when it was a quiet time because all the journalists are away, so no awkward questions.
2: Tim. Have you seen the video, Nick?
7: Which video, Tim?
2: The Bottas video.
7: No. Is he eating porridge?
2: Uh, no, this is a uh, video uh, purporting to him doing some secret testing while of everyone what? else is on their uh, summer break.
7: Is it? Is it a
2: virtual reality thing? No, it's a Ford Fiesta. Ah, <laughs> rallying, yeah. Uh, was it a Fiesta? Yes. It was an R5, was it? It's uh, one of the M Sport WRC cars. You're quite allowed in the forests sh- of Germany. You're quite allowed to do that. It's you are indeed. Uh, I would suggest that this is not a video of secret testing because the fact that the video exists uh, and has now been made public uh, and put all over social media suggests it's not at all secret.
7: No, it's interesting um, uh, cross manufacturer driving them, isn't it?
2: Uh, it's not the first time he's tested a rally car, is it?
3: It was in Finland, wasn't he, when he was testing it.
2: No, that was earlier in the year when he actually oh, he, did a he, rally. He,
3: that's, he tested the Toyota Yaris in Finland,
2: and now he's tested... No, he did, he did. He He drove in an actual rally, a Fiesta, in Finland in January. He's tested a Yaris, now he's tested the Fiesta in Germany. Can I right. point out okay. that
7: Finnish F1 drivers decided to take a Sojourner to rally? Doesn't it tend to end well?
2: Not for Kimi, it didn't.
7: Well, that's anyone I can think of.
2: Uh, hang on. JJ Lato? No, no Sorry,
7: thing, I'm bro. sorry, I'm sorry. Finish F1 drivers. Were well, any F1 drivers? No, you, it, you have to, to, to talk through that hand movement. Which Williams drivers? Oh yes, I think we're uh, Wh- too well too. Williams driver for, uh, Robert
3: Kubica nearly ended his career. No, Robert Kubica ended his Formula One career
7: for a while, and he's come back. Hasn't gone so well so far. But we're Stewie still out.
3: No, it's not. No, it's not. It's no. <laughs>
7: Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's not, well, you know.
3: Stefan Sarazan. No, well, he's a very good rally driver. He's as good a rally driver yeah, as, as he Grand is anything Prix.
7: else. He hmm? did one Grand Prix. Yes. Brazil mm. for Minardi. Mm. Well, that was very good. I was there. Were you? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I can't
2: remember uh, we seem to have crossed the hour. So Sorry. I'm Hang on,
3: let, let, just before we do. Uh, Lancashire now 137 for 2 in their Vitality Blast chasing 157 so
2: for 7 20
3: oh, yeah, and they've got
7: uh, how many overs have they got 4
3: yeah 16.2 so yeah they've so got a ball of 3.4 a a left that's right Easy. 0.2 plus 0.
7: 0.4 equals one yes <laughs>
3: well it doesn't cricket exactly it, it should actually uh, that is one thing that winds me up it should never be 16.2 overs and I fell in the trap it should be 16 overs and two balls mm. which is which is correct I'd expect uh, Phil just before we finish the first hour which we have done but you know what I mean i um, Phil says, at Safe Phil says, interesting how all this means no one's talking about Lewis. Hmm. Hour two coming up.
2: Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway.
3: And in the second half of tonight's show, we're going to try and get a bit of Shea Adam in about the uh, latest. Uh, sports car news from the states we've got a bit of sports car news from Europe as well with some driver shuffling going on it's not a new dance Uh, it is swapping of seats but not in a Red Bull way Uh, we've got Nick Damon and I probably shouting at each other about MotoGP from the uh, Austrian weekend just gone and finally things have started to look better your comments, please, on ad Entertainment, but a very special big interview coming up with one of the founders of DailySportsCard.com who's just become a published author. I went to see him on Sunday. Malcolm Cracknell is next.
2: Midweek Motorsport.
4: On RS1.
3: Delighted to say that I'm with Malcolm Cracknell, one of the...
1: Founder members of DailySportsCar.com. That's gone back a few years, Malcolm. Right, let's let's start there. When did what is now DailySportsCar.com come into being and how? 2001,
8: John. The story started in ninety six when I set up SportsCar World, which was just me to start with. Gradually, I met people who came on board largely Helping out voluntarily because they love doing it, they love writing about sports car racing that was growing nicely. There was then a horrible legal dispute. Mm. I lost the domain name to a model or retailer in Texas. the more in two thousand I think it was, or was it two thousand and one i can 't remember it was awful because the whole legal thing was going on mm-hmm. that Evolved eventually via a site called Total Motorsport. That didn't work. Daily Sports Car, 2002, the initial version. One partner who should remain nameless let us down very badly. Lost a year's content. And in 2003, at last, we had four partners and we, began, we were doing it in a way that, that I
1: enjoyed doing it, and it worked. Why sports cars? That's, I suppose I should have started with that, because I'm kind of coming in through the back door there, because without your love of sports cars and endurance racing, none of that would have happened. So what was it that got the young Malcolm Cracknell, or maybe the not-so-young Malcolm Cracknell, what was it that lit the fuse that became the explosion that was your love of sports cars?
8: Partly Jackie X, partly Mike Cotton. I went to my first motor race in 67. Jackie X won the Formula 2 race at Crystal Palace. He became my hero. I saw him win the BOAC 568 with Brian Redman. Siffert, Vic Elford... Two decades later, I met Vic Elford. Fantastic chap.
1: Never disappointing, is he?
8: Wonderful. His stories are brilliant. His autobiography is brilliant. 1970, I still had Motory News from 1970 until I moved last year, and I cannot find it. Mike Cotton, and he's told me the story again just recently. Mike, as editor... Didn't have room for F3 reports and other stuff because he wrote so many thousand me. words on the 1970 right. Lamores nine 917s. Oh. Fantastic! I'd love to have been there me too. eventually um, when I finished university and all that stuff and finished with Formula One and the '83. Went to Lamar and just fell in love with the the whole place, the race was brilliant, the cars, the stories, and the more you dive into it, the more you find out about this wonderful type of racing.
3: One of the reasons I want to talk to you is you are now a published novelist,
1: because you have written a relatively hefty tome uh, called Taking the World by Storm. Now, I love reading anything that you write i've read the book and i hear your voice all the way through it i'll tell you that it's like an extended version
3: of a race report it's fantastic because your race reports were never dry if
1: i'm here you always went off on a bit of a tangent to tell a little bit of a story to introduce a character you don't like bland people do you oh no (laughs) definitely not and I mean, one tale
8: about me is that people say that if between practice sessions I started at one end of the pit lane, I never got to the other. So I was too busy enjoying myself, Mm. gathering stories, half of which I couldn't write. And people would say to me, look, you can't write this, but I'll tell you anyway. And I I learnt discretion, and I filed all this stuff away, and years later, it's come out... And 20 years on, I had this with Lawrence Pierce this week. I was swapping emails and his wife, Fiona, said, well, it was 20 years ago, so I think we can tell it now. Hmm. Those kind of stories I've told in the book, but I found out more stuff in the last two weeks (laughs) that, that I didn't know then, which at the book launch, Lawrence told, One story which had 40 or 50
1: people gasp. Open mouthed And with amazement. Was the book the the outlet then, the opportunity for you to use some of these old stories that you'd had stuck away in the back of your head somewhere? Because there's a great section of the book that, that refers the reader to where they happened in real life, which I think is brilliant. And, and I was flicking backwards and forwards. Right, then, oh, yeah, I, oh, I didn't know that one. So, so was the book then an outlet for this? Or had you always wanted to write a book based on motor racing? There've been some. They've not always been successful. So why did you want to do one? Once I'd been to Lamar and experienced it, and
8: I don't know, in my 30s, I wanted to write a book, but I've got no imagination. I could not imagine people.
1: I mean, supposing Tom Walkinshaw, there are stories about him. Well, you Uh, couldn't invent Tom Walkinshaw. There was a larger-than-life character. If he didn't exist and somebody wrote him into a novel, then your reader would go, no, that can't be possible. Nobody like that ever existed. But that was Tom. That was Tom. I couldn't imagine
8: anyone more interesting than him, but I couldn't transport myself into another person Mm -hmm. now i couldn't write a story about tom walkinshaw i didn't really know him but circumstances cropped up and bizarre coincidences that a person existed who could be the lead character in the story and that person is lawrence pierce Mm -hmm. when i moved to the east sussex countryside five years ago and we walk walking the dogs and gradually realized that this story was forming in my head. Mm-hmm. And I need to speak to several people to find out if they would feed me a bit of extra information that I didn't know. But the funny thing was, bizarre coincidence, I used to work for Lawrence mm-hmm. in 97 when he was building his two Le Mans cars. And it was a frantic rush, mad rushing against time. And he had a conversation with his chief mechanic, Dave O'Neill, nicknamed Beagle. And I've got a feeling Beagle actually told Lawrence, "Look, you've got to get the parts here quicker, because we're not going to build these cars in time for testing and pre-qualifying. Couriers can't get the parts here quick enough. We need somebody to go and get them." through somebody I knew, who knew somebody else, the phone call came to me, I was summoned to see Lawrence. Would I drive all over the country collecting parts for a mileage allowance? Wow, yes. I mean, it didn't take more than a second to to say I'd do it, because the idea of being part of Lawrence's adventure was wonderful. So Lawrence, wherever he said, go, get something... I went, so, I mean, the the worst one, or the best one, was six o'clock one Friday evening, um, one of the mechanics was asked to ask me, or tell me, and it was, call into the workshop, collect a boat full of stuff, parts and so on, and get down to Pembrey <laughs> this evening. Huh. Oh! Righto, I didn't think twice about it. I was off to Leatherhead, loaded the car up, set off down the M4. I knew how long South Wales was because I'd been to Fishguard on a holiday and I knew Pembroke was almost down the far end. So I got there at half past ten that evening. There were the mechanics in the shed in the darkness and it was cold. It was April, I think, or end of March or something and uh, they appreciated that I'd made the trip and the testing went ahead the next morning. That was the first shakedown of the car. The main task in the weeks before that was to drive to Portsmouth, Exeter, Leicester, Birmingham, gathering the stuff and racing back to Leatherhead. There were no speed cameras then. so you Thank goodness for that. How many miles do you reckon you did
1: in that then? I
8: think about 10,000. I did 600-plus in the day twice. Wow. Uh, It was all go. But when it was all over, after Le Mans, I happened to be at Leatherhead in the workshop offices. I can't remember why. And Lawrence looked up to me and he said, Thanks, Malcolm. I couldn't have done it without you. And I thought, from
1: Lawrence... That is the Without problem. any expletives at all? None. None at all. And he meant it. Of course he did. Because when, when somebody like that tells you, tells you that, then you know. Now, why in the book, and this, I found this interesting, and by no means this is a criticism, so this is a genuine question. Most of your main characters are based on real individuals, and it doesn't take a genius to work out... Who they are based on, and the names are very similar, why did you change some of them, and yet you left people
3: in around it, like some of the Audi drivers, Christensen's name in there, you know all of that. So why was
1: the difference between the principal characters and some of, and the real world? Why were was, why was those changes made?
8: That's quite a difficult question to ask, John. Well, let's give the example. Lawrence Pierce became Larry Payne. Mm-hmm. Payne because that's inappropriate. To Lawrence, I need to go on to uh, 2008 and explain that I got this illness, had to stop work, was friendly with Andy Wallace, James Weaver. Mm -hmm. We used to meet for lunch every, say, nine months or something. Mm -hmm. And they used to tell me stories that I never knew. Wonderful stories. And that added to this fund of knowledge. Mm. Back to the 97 race. That Lister, it was built at the last minute. He, Lawrence got it through qualifying. Some cars were thrown out. Mm-hmm. He got it in through qualifying. Some cars were thrown out. He got it in the race. That was a fantastic achievement. I wanted to tell a story and get Andy's stories in, James's mm. stories in, and... I wanted the third driver to be based on Alan Simonson. Mm-hmm. Now, to do with Alan, most of us will know what happened to that poor chap. Uh, I was listening to your commentary mm. in 2013 mm. and your announcement, mm. and that was Hard just a, a shocking day, mm. a shocking moment. Now, I knew that chap very well. I had a a very nice personal relationship with him and helped him in certain ways. So uh, I wanted these two characters to drive the car. Mm -hmm. So I engineered the story so that instead of in real life, Lawrence had two cars in that race. Mm. In my version of the story, he had one Mm -hmm. and using this fund of information that Andy and James told me that I'd gathered at the time by working for Lawrence, but discretion meant I couldn't write about it. You'd right. hear things and think, yeah. nope, can't say that, can't get that. In. Nope, don't write that, ever.
1: Well, <laughs> 20 years later, you can. So, Particularly when it's in a novel. This is not a textbook about that race indeed there's parts of the book actually that are amalgamations of a of a couple of things that happened at Le Mans so again you've taken artistic license there but brought in some stranger than fiction facts with your storytelling it's brilliant it's a, it's a lovely wave because I've compared it to the World Cup final
8: cricket recently mm-hmm. and the things happened that are that were barely believable. Correct. Well, in this race, by amalgamating all these extraordinary stories, which really happened, Mm. James Weaver's story of the March Nissan pit stop in 86, that was a remarkable pit stop. Now, I wasn't a journalist then. I was there enjoying the race. I didn't know what happened. I didn't know until... James retired, started to write his autobiography, got to 70,000 words, <laughs> and he stopped, unfortunately. I've tried to persuade him to carry on, but I'm sure you'll understand this. When you're writing, you sort of lack that ultimate confidence to know whether it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And James went through that, mm-hmm. and he sent me a chapter and said... He was worried, you know, is this book going to be any good? He sent me a chapter, and the chapter was about a pit stop.
1: And the story is brilliant. And you'll have to read the book now, Taking the World by Storm, to find out what that was, because that's woven beautifully into it. How long did it actually take you to write it, Malcolm? It took me four years. My illness means
8: that... I don't know, a hint of depression or something. I hate winter. I started and stopped and started again. And I'd, I'd written half the book. And it was March 2017. And suddenly, that spring, it was very sunny. And my mood lifted. Brilliant. I got into it. I couldn't do a lot each day. But by doing it each day, I got to June... And suddenly realised I've virtually done it. Well done. And so four years, basically, and another year to tie up the loose ends and get the images and all this stuff. And are you happy with it? I am happy. I had to draw a line because my illness got worse. So I'd struggle now. If I tried to change it, I would struggle to actually improve it I'd make it worse I mm. think I had to just draw the line and say that's it now the funny thing is drawing that line there was a danger it would never get published because when the idea came about and I wanted to tell the story through somebody else's eyes mm-hmm. so Smithy tells the story mm-hmm. and I've called him Ryan Smith mm-hmm. and this partly answers your question earlier on real name Ian Smith mm-hmm. Ian in '97 built Lawrence's V12s. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic engines. When he was running the FIA championship, one of those engines ran for sixty hours trouble-free. Smithy did a brilliant job, and I was in and out the workshops, seeing what Smithy was doing and the other mechanics. And so, on. so I had to ask Ian. If I could tell this story, I'd written, say, six chapters, met him for lunch, threw six chapters at him and said, read that, see what you think, come back to me. If you don't like it, I'll just drop it. He loved the idea of of this adventure being Mm. told in print. He was very helpful. He told me fantastic stories about... Lawrence, when the stress was at its <laughs> highest, and they'd have pizza in the evening because the mechanics were working 16 hours a day and they were absolutely knackered. So they'd send out for pizza and Lawrence would get cross about something and pizza would fly across the office. The phone would fly across the office. The mechanics had to bolt it down so that Lawrence wouldn't throw it at somebody. So, Smithy helped me tell the story... Mm-hmm.
1: There were some things that I remembered that Smithy... Because none of this is written down. You didn't take notes at the time oh no. or anything like this because oh no. that that wasn't that type of no. relationship. No, it was it was all in my head because I love stories.
8: These stories are just part there and they were just waiting for somewhere to emerge. Now, I said to Smithy, um, look, I'm going to finish the book and I'll, I'll send it to you. I've got to then run it past Lawrence. Mm-hmm. If Lawrence says, you can't publish that, I will just put it on the shelf, and that's it. I've enjoyed writing mm-hmm. it, but that's yeah. it. The public won't read it. So, it was I think it was July 2017, and I took the plunge, wrote the email to Fiona Pierce, explained what I'd done, Now, Smithy had had paved the way. He told Mm -hmm. her something was going on, so she wasn't surprised. Sent the draft by email. And I said, look, just run this past Lawrence, blah, blah. Two days later, I was in my garden up the road, picking up dog poo, strangely. Phone rang. It was Lawrence. He announced it was Lawrence. Lawrence. And straight away, because you've got a very good sense of humour, he said, Malcolm, you see you next Tuesday. <laughs> you can't publish that about me. Everyone will know it's me and I'll be the laughing stock. Okay, Lawrence, I'll, I'll just park it on the shelf and that'll be it. No, he said, I'm joking. I don't care what people think about me. <laughs> Go ahead, publish it. And Lawrence does not care what people think about him.
1: There's more stories, I know, because you haven't told all the stories. Two two that aren't in the book that came out in the launch that made people gasp. Hang on, hang on. Do these not go into the next book? No, I can't write another book. I can't do another two hundred plus pay. I can't
8: do it. Mentally I can't do it. My hands don't type properly anymore. I can't do it. That Lister, in 97, was a very good car, but Mm. it was very new. Mm -hmm. By 98, Lawrence developed it. By 99, it won the British GT Mm -hmm. Championship in the best year Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. The intrigue and the drama that went on that year, right? Now, in 98, so Lawrence turned up for pre-qualifying, and he admitted this. Publicly, and he's quite happy for me to tell you this one, they'd been testing at Paul Ricard. Mm-hmm. Nissan were there as mm-hmm. well. The Lister wasn't doing complete laps. The opposition thought they weren't doing complete laps so that no one could time them for a complete lap. So they were timing sectors. Mm-hmm. The opposition thought that car is quick and it's going to embarrass us and we think it's illegal. So the story is the opposition tipped off the ACO that this black car had modifications that weren't on the official papers. Lawrence turned up for pre-qualifying with a side exhaust, other modifications, and was told, Mr. Pierce the car does not fit the papers. You cannot run. Lawrence admitted two weeks ago that he went to see Alain Bateau to get the official word from him that he was excluded. Bateau didn't want to speak to him, so Lawrence kicked his door in and was not welcome at the Mans for a year or two Afterwards, or perhaps a bit longer. The other one is to do with uh, betting in the 99 British GT Championship. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd been led to believe by somebody that the team that won that championship, Listed Storm Racing, mm-hmm. certain people shared £200,000 mm-hmm. as their winnings. Not correct. And Lawrence explained. What actually happened, that is, five people, Lawrence and four others, each put up £30,000 and bet 150000 on themselves to win the championship. They won the championship and their
1: winnings were a million. So, so they each got 200000 Yes. Wow. In what year? 99. That was when that was a decent amount of money. You must have The process of putting this book together, have you enjoyed doing that? And has it reminded you why endurance racing is so good? I wish I was still involved in it. So do we. I wish I was.
8: They were very good times. The, the Wallace and Weaver stories are brilliant. Different days. Different it was so different. When the Mulsanne was the Mulsanne, boy, was that dangerous. I mean, I've stood behind a tree on Mulsanne as the air goes woof as something comes past you at colossal speed.
1: That is scary. I couldn't put the book down. I read it in two tranches. It's a rollicking good yarn, and the story itself is really good. Uh, the fact that it is interwoven,
3: I've used that word again, with real life events that I remember, it is a good story that people who don't understand or care about Le Mon will enjoy, particularly if it's handed to them by friends who do, because I
1: think it's one of those things when people say, you know why I love Le Mon? Read this, because it's a perfect example of all the things that I want to try and
3: tell people about Whether or not it's technology, whether or not it's a close race, whether or not it's door-to-door, whether or not there's a battle at the front of the field,
1: or whether it's just one manufacturer, Le Mans is always about stories and people, and that's what comes across in the book. It's the best race in the world.
8: Simple as that. Thanks, John. The website is worldbystorm.co.uk with a hyphen between each word. World hyphen by hyphen storm.co.uk. 9.99. Marcus Potts is handling distribution of them. I hope listeners will order it and enjoy it as you have.
3: Taking the World by Storm by Malcolm Cracknell. Uh, Two thumbs
1: up here. Highly recommended. Malcolm, thank you for writing it and thank you for talking to us. Thanks, John.
2: John talking to Malcolm Cracknell on Sunday about his book, uh, Taking the World by Storm. And uh, you can buy a copy uh, on the website, worldbystorm.co.uk. That's world-by-storm.co.uk. John, you've read the book. I have. Couldn't put it down. Is it a book that will appeal to general sports fans and not just those interested in endurance racing? It's a
3: good story, Tim. It's a cracking story. It's a good yarn. Um, it's beautifully paced. Uh, if you've ever read any of Malcolm's work, going back through the years on Sports Car World and then DailySportsCar.com, and he writes about people. So it's about people. For those people who aren't interested in Le Mans, who aren't even interested maybe in racing or particularly sports car racing, the details of the Le Mans 24 hours are not necessarily germane to the plot. What is, are is the descriptions of the people. But like every good author, um, you can say what you like about the James Bond books. I rattle through James Bond's books, uh, Fleming books, quite a lot. But his attention to detail in setting the scene and the way he drew the characters was superb. And Malcolm's managed to do that because he's writing... From his own experiences. It's not all true. But more of it is true. Than even I remembered. And the, the appendix. About where real world. And the story. Intersects. Like the betting story. Is is extraordinary. Because I'd forgotten about some of that. And I'll be honest with you. The pit stop story that he talks about there. Which he's incorporated in. Which never really happened at Le Mans. That was in another race. But that is true. And it's an extraordinary Story And I can absolutely imagine it happening. And it's it's magnificent. It is. As I said to Malcolm in the interview on Sunday, I had a smashing afternoon with Malcolm and I I could have left the tape recorder. That, by the way, is about half of what I recorded with him and about a sixth of what we talked about. Uh, time spent with Malcolm is never time wasted, and, and we picked up where we left left off the last time I spoke to him, which was many years ago. It was very good. Um, as I said there, it's a perfect book for people who like Le Mans. it's a perfect people book for people who know people who like Le Mans and maybe don't quite understand why they like Le Mans so much, because everything that makes Le Mans, for me, and clearly for Malcolm, so important is in that book because it's about the people. And it's not just about the 24 hours of the race. It's not just about the week or the 10 days or the fortnight, three weeks as it nearly is with test day now, of the race. It's about what leads up to it. And it's about the utter dedication and single mindedness to get every single car on the grid. And that's what drew me in. And everybody will, I'll, I'll lend you the book, Nick. and and read it you'll pick out the people you weren't part of our team in 97 but you'll recognize some of the characters because they're still around
2: and did you you mentioned uh, an appendix so at the back there is a mm. list of what's true and what's yes not true so reading the book were you referring to that as you went yes. along
3: yes because this this you know blah, blah 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 see note 3 at the back and and, and, and it, it's like Nick's for, giggling. For over. Cliff's Notes, isn't no, it? No, it is like a textbook where you go, really? And or they, or you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that was about. And you go to the back and go, oh, no, I didn't know what that was about. That Oh, that was a different
2: version of that. Okay, that's good. So, or, so were there things that you thought that's true and then found out that that was actually fiction and vice versa? Uh,
3: no, there was nothing in there um, that I... I Malcolm's been very clever about blending different years, and it's not all the same year. It's a bit like an episode of Casualty or Blue Bloods or, or or any recurring drama. You know, it it's not really what happens in twenty four hours in a accident and emergency or in a police station. It, you know, it, it's it's compressed, and and what happened over two or three seasons has been compressed into the build up and the race and the aftermath of a single year at Le Mans. But to be honest so much goes on in a single year at Le Mans it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that it it could have happened. But there were things that I read and said oh now have I heard, bear in mind Tim I'm getting old. Now have I heard that before or not? And then I'd go to him and go oh well I didn't know that. I, I absolutely didn't. I thought that was something else or yeah and you go wow. And I think a lot of people will read some of those things and go yeah that'll never happen. That would never oh, hang on a second, there's a note here, let's flick to the, oh, that did happen, that happened in a Japanese GT, wow, and it, it's great, it's great for stuff like that, and, and you can choose to do that as you re- as you go along, or you could choose to go to the end of the book and, and, and read through it, and there's a lovely little piece at the end as well about how Daily Sports Car came into Beam, some of the stuff we, we spoke about, um, Marcus Potts is on holiday at the moment. He's handling all of the distribution and he's done the circuit diagrams and the illustrations. He's a very talented lad, is Marcus, as well as being a very good photographer and a good writer as well. He's got far too much talent. I I fail from the Twitterage coming in. Marcus is going to come back to quite a few uh, quite a few orders. He's going to be busy for the weekend. They'd be tough with you. <laughs> he's, he's he's back day after tomorrow. So if ah, you've just made your order orders tonight, now, please, yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah get it. Get it in. At least we're uh,
2: pleased that that box at the bottom of his stairs can go. Yes,
3: uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, Dave Olcock says, High praise from John regarding uh, Mr. Cracknell's writing to compare his scene setting with Ian Fleming. I've always enjoyed the James Bond books. Recently, only William Gibson's writing has matched Fleming's vivid scene descriptions. Um, well, Dave, you know sports car racing. I thoroughly recommend that. And see if you draw the same type of part. It's, it's not in the style of. But the attention to detail and the way he describes, particularly things going on track and explains various things at Le Mans, it's very, very good indeed. And by the way, I'll I'll recommend to you if you haven't already the continuation uh, Bond novels uh, as well, um, which are that,
7: that sounds like a financial product.
3: Um, Would you like a continuation Bond seven point three percent? Uh, Marino Franchitti was one of the uh, consultants on and I started that sentence and uh, then can't remember uh, what the book's called um, uh, I'll, I'll get back to it um, it's downstairs I could run downstairs but um,
2: you can't because we've got a show to do and we oh, still got right, to talk about some actual motor racing uh, shall we do a bit of sports cars That would be appropriate. Uh, World Endurance Championship, and there will be a World Endurance Championship preview show before that starts uh, in about... Really? uh, Two weeks. Three weeks, is it? Two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Uh, But we're starting to get confirmation of who's going to be in which car. Uh, So let's start with Rebellion, uh, because we already knew two of those drivers, and now we know the third well first
3: thing we should say is only one car yes which
7: we also knew
2: yes
3: um, Charlie Higson did the Young Bond novels and they're very good as well I enjoyed those a lot as well sorry uh, so who's in that then Tim fire away uh,
2: so Norman Nato has uh, yes joined the uh, rebellion team alongside uh, Bruno Senna and Gustavo Menedas
3: yeah that, that's a strong team Nick to be honest Norman Nato oh, has served he's served his apprenticeship
7: it's kind of... A, it, they're walking in with the white flag, though, aren't they? With only one car. We, we can't beat the Toyotas, so we'll just turn up and, and get two entries for them mm. Uh
2: United Autosports have announced who their uh, substitute driver will be for uh, Paul de Resta, who has a clashing uh, engagement, which means that he can't go to Fuji. And it is super-super-extraordinaire.
3: Um because, David Fairclough. Yes, that's quite correct. The ginger <laughs> warrior. No, it's Ollie Jarvis. Isn't I it? love 70s references. That's good, isn't it? I've got a football podcast to record with Declan tomorrow. I'm looking at it's not the 70s, it's the 90s, but even so, I'm looking forward to that. Um, it is Ollie Jarvis, and Ollie's been doing great stuff with Mazda, of course. Uh, got uh, a win under his belt with the uh, Mazda Multimatic program. Uh, former Audi driver. Audi prototype driver as well of course. So uh, basically him and Tinkers, Tinknell,
7: uh, are jumping in all over the place. They're just moment. the, the go to uh, yeah drivers who have free the free this weekend yeah you had my car. Uh,
3: Trigger Mortis by the way is the uh, is the Bond book that Marino was involved in and I um I thoroughly recommend it. It's got some it's good new words. It. yes very mm. good. Very good.
2: Uh Felipe Anthony Horowitz mm-hmm. and uh, who's the third driver in that United car?
7: The second one, sorry.
2: Felipe Albuquerque.
7: Albuquerque, yeah. Um, is it Will Thingy?
1: No. Will Owen.
3: Um, stop! I've got my mind filled with too many other things.
1: Move on. You bonded up,
3: aren't Aston you?
2: Aston Martin Racing.
3: The main thing is that Ollie's moved to that Aston Martin Racing. being a bit of a uh,
7: a swap and a change, but in, in GTE AM. Have you seen this? Yes, they've got D- Darren's back on the World Championship, isn't he? In the, in the AM car. Darren has been. Sorry, Darren Turner. We should.
3: Darren yeah. Turner. Yes, there is only one. Darren Uh, in Aston Martin terms. That's true. So, DT, um, Darren Turner, 007. uh, Hi, DT. He is back with a full-time ride, which he didn't have last year, remember? He was doing a bit of Japanese GT. Now, I'm not sure how that affects that, because he was supposed to be doing a full season of Super GT um, in GT300. DT and...
7: He has gone to pair up with Paul Dalalana. Yes, so Paul, who was normally Pedro Lamy and. Matthias Lauda. Matthias Lauda. So they? they've
3: both lost their seats because Ross Gunn is the third driver oh, there. Okay. Which is two factory supported drivers. Presumably that's Aston Martin's contribution uh, to to Paul. New, I don't know. the
7: new Vantage now, isn't it? Because we He will be old, allowed to use the new year Vantage year. for the
3: first time. So. I. I, I, I I commiserate with Pedro Lamy and Mateus Lauda, both two smashing guys. Pedro driving out of his skin for the last few years and doing the best work he's ever done. Mateus has grown massively in the last couple of years. Let's hope they turn up somewhere else. I'm sure they will. Here's the question for me, though. Paul is well known for wanting to go and do other stuff, and he popped up a couple of times last year in Ferraris. Yes, yes. Including at Bathurst, where he won his class. And out in the states, he did GT Daytona version of uh, of uh, Rolex 24. So I wonder if there's still a place because clearly they can't do it. They can't do it because they're factory drivers. Mm-hmm. So, or are we going to see Paul doing picking and choosing some races in a or new GT4 yeah, Aston Martin? And now
7: the Vantage, the new, he can have a new Vantage. Perhaps he'll just do the races in Vantage.
3: That's GT Le Mans. He won't come to WeatherTech in a GT Le Mans car. No, we can't a GT3 car, which is a different car. Yes, but it's still Aston Martin. Yes, but that's a second car that he would have to either rent or
7: buy. Aston Martin North America, I'm sure would like to see a car go around GT in in. Uh,
3: Maybe that's the deal, then. GT3. Maybe that's the deal. We'll help you out with putting a GTD into the Rolex, and into at a GT3 into the Liqui Moly Bathurst 12 hours, if you take the two drivers, and we'll help you out. It seemed to make sense, but who knows. makes sense. Uh, yes.
2: Marcus Austin, Nikki Team, Alex Lynn, Maxime Martin, unchanged in uh, the two pro cars.
3: Yes, uh, no surprises there.
2: Of uh, course, sir.
1: Yes. Have
3: oh, have
2: now this is very given interesting.
1: Sam Bird, the the,
3: the
2: bird,
1: the bird. The Every uh, day we've his.
2: gone is being joined by Miguel Molina.
1: This is interesting because I thought the formulary. Um, clash has been sorted. Well,
2: two of them have.
1: On
3: the on the outside, that appears to be sound reasoning here, doesn't it? Hmm. Except James Collado is going to be in Formula E next year, and he's still in a drive.
2: He's in a number fifty one car alongside Alessandro yeah, Pierguidi. Correct. Uh, correct.
7: Is Sam being dropped? entirely, or just reallocated around? Because there's an awful lot of other AF courses knocking about in other championships to drive.
2: Not yet
3: mentioned, and the, the press release was interesting in that, that said um, what Sam's doing hasn't been announced yet, basically. So he could come back for the long races,
7: so long as they don't yeah, clash. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure he's shooting for Le Mans. There's all sorts of, GT, there's all sorts of GT3 stuff you can do. Actually, he can't do Sebring, can he? Because that's still a clash.
3: That's an FA clash.
2: Oh, but that's uh, the Mexico... Moved. Clash, isn't it? So
3: yes, so he can't do he Sebring. Can't do
2: Sebring as WAC. in Imza's Sebring, but he could do Wet Sebring. Well,
3: Depends Friday, when it finishes. Friday,
7: fly out to. Uh...
3: Well, uh, yes, that's a good point. Particularly if, it, particularly if Im, if Imza follow through on what they said, and if Gerard Navas is listening, Gerard, tweet us in um, <laughs> and let us know. Are we moving? forward in terms of time for the WEC race at uh, Sebring this year on the Friday. So it finished at midnight. That would be too late for them to get down to Mexico and start doing what they need to do for... Well,
2: like sleeping.
7: FE. Yeah, they just start and it's all on the Saturday, isn't it? It's all on the Saturday. But they obviously miss the PR stuff on the Friday and everything else. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I suppose it's not a huge... Well, don't be lotter, lotter and Mr. Racer do a simulated test, did not they? No, yes,
3: well...
2: There's a one-hour time difference, isn't there, between Florida and Mexico?
7: No, I think Mexico's minus five as well. Was is it Mexico minus four? Compared mm-hmm. to us, obviously, compared to themselves.
3: Yeah. Uh, just on the uh, some of those things, uh, this coming in uh, from let me have a look uh, Robert Wilshire says Darren Turner was only doing the longer races for Super GT he was yes um, not sure that yet if they class with the Super Tycoon series yes but he said to us didn't he last year that that was a toe in the water getting ready to do the full series uh, so we'll have to see how that works out or maybe whether uh, plans have changed uh, so that's Aston
7: Ferrari uh, oh oh Ginetta ooh, ooh. Ginetta Two cars for Genetta. rangest driver lineup I've seen. Alright, so let's go
3: for the what I'm calling the second car first, which is is effectively. The number the, six. Well, it, this is the pair driver car, isn't it? This is the business car. Yes. But so, is
2: it? Because Mike Simpson's Janetta factory driver.
3: Yes, but with him.
2: is Guy Smith. Oh, no,
3: ha- no, that's not the car I meant. I meant the Rod Chef car.
2: Right, well, that's got. Charlie Robertson, who's a Genetta factory driver in it.
3: Yes, so with him is Rochef, who's yep. out
7: of work after BR pulled out.
3: Yeah, and he'll be paying for that drive. He was quite good. And who's the driver in that
7: car then, Tim?
2: Uh, ben Hanley.
7: Ben Hanley. So he'll be putting a bit of
2: money in as well.
7: Uh, obviously getting away because, of course, he lost the P1 drive because Dragon Speed disappeared. Correct. Um, with that terrible car they had last year. Yes, couldn't make it work. And
3: uh, Elton, trap. Elton wasn't backwards and coming forwards about that. Um, Elton Julian, uh, team principal of Dragon Speed. The other car, yes. Mike Simpson, as Tim yeah. rightly says, no, no questions about that. Expected, yes. However, the other two drivers, uh, uh, yes. Exactly. And we'll be, and next week, However, now next week we'll be talking in our big interview to Johnny Maulam, who has come back to international motor racing having said he was stopping it, but for a very specific reason, and we'll go into that with him next week on the big interview here on Midweek Motorsport. Guy Smith, done, done and done. I did the interview with you him. You did the retirement interview, a, Guy Smith. A year Smith.
7: ago at Silverstone. Um, that's it. I'm just driving a Bentley. I've had a great career. Diddly diddly dee. I'll do some support stuff. And Oh, hello. Oh, I'm now back in the WEC, at least for the first round. And that's a good point for the first round. And he's paired up.
2: With a driver he... Drove with almost a decade ago in the American Le Mans series, and and won it obviously,
3: and was part of one of the closest finishes ever. Guy was uh, seven years ago at Road America, which we've all been talking about recently because it was the last Mazda win until this year, and that means he's paired back up again with Chris Dyson. Well, Has Chris driven match in the last two or so four years? Been doing Trans Am, been doing quite a lot ah, of Trans Am right. in the states, and a, and a few bits and pieces of other Keep things. His hand so, uh, in. GT, some GT stuff as well. Don't forget, Dyson were running um, Bentleys in the states for a little while in World Challenge. Um,
2: we shouldn't really be surprised at either of these, though, because they have both He's tested retired.
3: it. Uh, they have both tested it. It really shouldn't surprise you because Nothing surprise Guy Smith really. Nothing
2: tested quite surprises. a lot of the Prologue.
3: Well, yes, and and. He's a Yorkshireman, and they do like their Yorkshiremen, don't they? It's all about the tears, yes. isn't
2: it? I mean, even Charlie Robertson's got a Yorkshire accent now.
3: <laughs> that is quite funny, actually. Um,
7: there I is st- another st- connection. I can't just well. say I'm not quite sure why they're announcing three teams for three driver teams for a four hour race. To be honest, but anyway. Yes. As I was saying earlier, in in, in Le Mans, they do three hours twenty in one stint, or yeah, you know, <laughs> before they change drivers over. So. Mm. I realise it's, yeah, it's a new car, they want to get drivers rotated through and test it and tested. but I don't think you need three drivers this race in uh, the end of the month. Um, whose engine do they use now, Tim? I
3: know. Go on. AER. Correct. They used to be the Mecha Chrome, now they're the AER. It, yeah. uh, and who's, who owns AER?
7: Well, I only found it out at the tea time. And it is? <laughs> uh, Dyson Senior. Yeah, correct.
3: Rob Dyson. Uh, owns that, so there's the connection there as well. It'd be great to see those two uh, guys. Those so two perhaps, guys. Perhaps he's not paying for it, but just giving some
7: engines. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's 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 it, not quite. It's like Williams know, Mercedes. It has very different tax implications. You're yes, but it's, else. It's just, We've seen it before. Yeah, that's Tattled fine. Hey, of no problem at all. It's a, a, a great um, country. Um, interestingly
3: that again reading between the lines the press release that was
7: the driver lineup for Silverstone yes will they get past Silverstone
3: well you have to ask this and and I hate to do well the this.
7: Hanley and the um, I can't pronounce his surname the, the Russian car they, those guys should have enough cash to keep it running Arushchev. thank you Arochev uh, I'll
3: have to work up to it but I get there it's good, it's
7: good work Um it should should, should 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 he be an okay.
3: F1 driving for Team Awful Williams so I'd have time to work up to <laughs> Rodchev. It they'd they slow the programme down
7: considerably. <laughs> yes it would. It would.
3: Um I have to say this and, and it gives me no pleasure to do so because I like Lawrence and I love what they've done, but you know, they've got to get to Silverstone yet.
7: Because they will, I think they will because they've had a, they had a relatively successful test. We've had what, two false dawns with the Chinese, haven't we, already? Um They've always managed to run a few laps. The, the key thing, really, I think, is not getting there. It's actually turning up and being there or thereabouts, and that's the worry. You've got to
3: ask yourself of any LMP1, and, and again, I, I, it gives me no pleasure to say this, is what's the point for this year? And, you know, rebellion down to one car, and no... Even Colin Collis is decided to call it a tear to go and, and develop his hybrid, LMP
7: 2020 car. hybrid or not hybrid or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. LMP1 is we well, don't need to go into it. You've got a preview coming. It's a mess. There are five cars. I'm pretty sure five cars will take the start. How competitive cars four and five will be? I have no idea. It might they might be right on the money straight away, or they might well, be. In, away in
3: fairness, off. it only takes. You know, if one of the competition falls out for Janetta then they're on the podium, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one way to look at it. Give you that. Uh, listening to midweek sports series 14, episode 31. Uh, and have we got any Time more sports news? Time for gloating. Time for what? Gloating. More gloating. What are we gloating on? Motors, oh, oh, oh Mortar GP.
2: What What did Nick say last week? Go on, Nick. You can do this. Which one is it?
7: About, oh, about about us knowing where um, Marcus Junior was going.
2: Uh, yes, the, the motor Marcus, two Marcus. Yes.
7: Yes, and he's going Alex. to Mark Mark Mar- Marquez VDS. <laughs> very good. I see what you did there. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, which we all knew, and uh, it's great. No, but he's, it's interesting. Though he's staying, in, he's staying in um, Moto 2 for another year um, without any guarantee still of a of a leap to Moto Moto One <laughs> to Moto what GP, despite winning four of the last I think six or four of the last five cars. So, a uh, car's races. So it's an it's an interesting one there. I mean the. Uh, there was so much machinations in the Austrian pit that, you know, it was even more exciting than than the actual race, which was unbelievably exciting. Um, Lorenzo seems to have lost his mind by publicly trying to tout himself back to a satellite Ducati to get out of the hole he's in, in Honda. Then he tried to tout himself to Petronas Yamaha for next year for, so for 21. Mm. And then he decided not to do anything. And basically just made sure he massively annoyed Honda. Uh, all the while not actually driving because obviously he's still being replaced by uh, Stefan Bradl, who's doing because um, uh, he's got a long-term injury. Mm. Um, so it's a, a weird political situation. Where Jack Miller thought he was fired for about oh. four and a half hours, then f- then fell off the bike, and then today's resigned.
3: Well, uh, then, got, politi- then then got a, a de facto offer from KTM. <laughs> to go and ride for them. Sorry, I
7: forgot, because Zarko's literally, literally thrown in the towel with tears in his eyes. Yes. Grenaded his career completely. It's, 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 ever since um, France last year, it's just been, been unbelievably downhill for Zarco. Um, so yeah. then
3: Jack Miller gets a sort of nod and a wink uh, offer for KTM, who also then decide they're pulling out of Moto Two mm-hmm. as a manufacturer. Now it's all a Triumph engine, but they use their own chassis. And but
7: super engaging it. for Formula GP. Back to twenty five, isn't it?
3: Another five years. Yeah. But are going to bring Husqvarna in as a separate brand, not just a rebranding exercise. So is that going to come in it's and KCM's replace? Still the, the Audi. Uh, still has some links to Audi because yeah. they. You, I mean, Ducati is still very much linked with Audi and actually if you noticed Audi Sport was on the fairings of the bikes at the weekend which mm-hmm. I haven't seen uh, all the time they've been using the Audi wind tunnel of course uh, and the Audi Aero uh, expertise um, But so Husqvarna back in possibly Moto3 possibly Moto2 as a separate brand not as a rebrand of KTM KTM moving out of Moto2 uh, fabulous run for them in uh, Moto2 at the weekend, winning the race. What a great way to go out at their own circuit. They've got a huge dealership right outside the gates of the, the Red Bull ring. Um, MotoGP, uh, still Mark Marquez hasn't won at the Red Bull ring, the only circuit yep, on the current lost calendar. Lost by a
7: good point two of a second this time, though. Um, and then, it's great and then, I must admit, I thought he was a bit mingy. For a guy who's won everything... <laughs> a bit mingy. Uh, well, for a guy who's won everything, he got beaten fair and square, and he complained that he had a problem with his brake, guard then he complained that it was overly dramatic because de Vizioso was always going to do it you kind of think you're going to win the world championship you've won you just got beaten in one race just just go well done and move on don't make excuses you don't need to make excuses you're brilliant don't don't bother we aren't listening for excuses we know you can't win every race it's fine yeah um but uh, yeah I, I i'm still in the competitive psyche of of, of racing drivers and motorcycle races it's it's uh it's a different thing. But it just seems to me, you haven't got to make excuses.
3: Uh, so, Jack Miller re-signed with Premark. Uh, Dovey winning for Ducati. Obviously, <laughs> we said it was a Ducati
7: circuit. Yeah, so. Well, which is, it wasn't really as no, much as Honda made a big leap Honda, forward. my gosh, how much extra drive and power they found out in one year? That's superb. I mean, I do know how much is actual power and how much actually is drive, because you know getting that leap off. Um, but they've
2: obviously found a few horsepower.
3: All right, so Moto2, we know KTM's going. Who else, uh, Tim, is leaving Moto2 and why? Uh, Tech3. Ah, Tech3. Yes, Tech3, of course, because run the KTM. Because they're going to Moto3,
2: Satellite. Mm. Uh, where they will be running the Red Bull KTM team. Yes. Which Very is good. new for Moto3.
1: Correct. Correct.
2: Uh, we've got some rule changes for Moto GP in 2020 as well. Uh, right.
3: I saw one of these. Um, uh, can I just say it? Um, did you watch the form, the Moto E? They had no. to put it down from seven to five laps because they were flat. In, they were flat out <laughs> everywhere. Uh, and the, the little bit of news from that is uh, Smith, um, Bradley, Bradley Smith, Smith, is replacing Powie and he's in um, the One Energy Racing Moto E team, and he's riding for Petronas in Moto Two for Silverstone, which is the next round. And by the way, I've had lots of people telling me and it was reported as well on the British coverage at the weekend, there was a motorbike track day on Friday at Silverstone and it threw it down and there was zero standing water. Really? Yes. Good stuff. So that's good news. Uh, so, yes,
7: n- new rules. Um, uh, Main one, am I right, Tim, is about, Finally, defining what happens on a jump start properly. Yes. Because the jump start was over penalised um, with a drive through which completely takes you out of the race entirely. Correct. It's being replaced with two long laps.
3: Oh, okay. So if you do two long laps, which is about six seconds it's normally.
7: Six to eight seconds, yeah, yeah. compared to what, 36 seconds for trundling down the pit lane. So, yeah, it's still a major. Um, handicap and it certainly would take away uh, negate any advantage of jumping the start, but it wouldn't mean you go from, you know, third to nowhere, you might still you'll still have a good chance of scoring some. Now points. I have
2: a question about this. Do they have to be two consecutive no. long laps? No. Or could you do one and then do a normal lap and I then one and then a normal lap? Your, You've got five laps yeah. Before you've got to do them. but Yes,
3: but you don't have to do them consecutively. I think you could do one on lap one and one on lap five, or that's yeah, two and three. You just three. have to
7: have done the two by then, two yeah. Two and four.
3: Yeah. One
2: and five. Two 75. And five, <laughs> four and five. <laughs> three and five. And have Three and four. Um, quick saw word for me. Other, the other oh, rule change yeah. uh, is about knee pads. Yes, you can't
7: have super sparky knee pads oh really you can't stick to titanium screws and make it spark and as we all know the person who loves sparks most of all in this programme is um, Declan Brennan he made a big point about sparks on Twitter this week well
3: they're number one all over heaven
7: <laughs> they are exactly wow other songs by sparks that's brilliant that is <laughs> uh, I read well stuff on that um, yes he's big on sparks neither of you got my half Nelson joke no
2: sorry Do you not
1: know
7: that
2: no. This town's no. not big enough for the both of us. No, I, I, that. Did use, I used that we knew that one. I knew that one. Right, yeah.
3: half Nelson was the name of the band before it was Sparks, <laughs> and I'm really disappointed that neither of you picked up on that. I am
7: much more peripheral gags, <laughs> not the in-depth body gags.
3: I've still got those on vinyl.
7: though. <laughs> um, yeah sorry. So, so you can't have Sparky slides anymore. Which I, I did think of oh, it was actually already banned. i old
2: enough to remember Sparks. No, oh, I'm sure you're not. Stop enough. it.
7: Um, can I have a quick word about?
3: Um, we, we've talked about a two and. It was a great Moto2 race, a crash fest at the end, more like a demolition derby than a race, but it was still a great race in KTM1. Moto3 was interesting, Nick, because it started in damp but drying conditions with everybody on slicks. Mm-hmm. And what do we know about Mortal 3 normally is
7: it's, 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 a, 14, it's... 14 bikes across the road.
3: Yes. And what we had in the tough conditions was three riders disappearing 10 seconds up the road. Really? When it was damp. Ah. Uh, and everybody was on slicks, which I found very interesting. Was
7: there any link between them? Like, were they all Northern Europeans who no. so used to rain more? There was or two, like
3: there, there was there was two teammates, but but they disappeared. And then as it dried up, everybody came back to them. They were all top riders, but I thought it was very interesting that they managed
7: to to break that away. Set up, couldn't it? They ah, like that. it they was set mag- it slightly for more for the, the the damper conditions and obviously it dried out their, their bikes would, would ease off and the other bikes would get better.
3: I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed all of the races and I, and just a little word for BT Sport who did the coverage at the weekend. I watched pretty much every moment of it, including the bits between the races and the bits between the practice sessions. There were no fillers there was no fluff. There was no drivers trying to uh, drive a mini motor around the streets of Spielberg. It was all oh, good these stuff. In Spielberg. It's a tiny well, I, village. Well, I, I don't know. I'm talking about some of the things I've seen on F1 programs. What they should
7: have done is they should have had um, great the top the top three drivers in each class in a yodeling competition.
3: Yeah. You see, there was
7: none of that. Or what's your favourite sound of music song?
3: It was it was brilliant stuff uh, in in Mortal Three and Mortal Two, but I I thoroughly enjoyed. Fanati took it from um, I think it was McPhee second, I think he was John McPhee who uh, came through very well the Scottish rider. Anyway, go if you get a chance go back and watch it. It's it's on uh, video channels. Uh, very quick so great great weekend in Silverstone. Next up uh, two more very brief stories from Tim and then we'll finish with a bit of. Entry list news.
2: Uh, Johan Mir has been released from hospital. Oh, good. Uh, and what made its debut at uh, Spielberg at the weekend, Nick?
7: I have absolutely no idea. New BMW safety car?
2: It's a correct answer, John.
7: Oh!
3: back of the net they're featured at, the reason i say that is they've featured very it very heavily with onboard board cameras
7: was it previously an m8 which was too big for the car bikes to see around it is now an m8 oh they,
3: they, they it, it was
2: previously an m8 anyway but it's now a new it's m8, a new m8. Uh, it has a 616 brake horsepower four and a half litre v8 engine i wondered
3: why we saw quite a lot of that pulling away from the grid with the attendant v8 soundtrack
2: it has a uh, top speed of 189 miles an hour uh, it does not to sixty in three fabulous. seconds.
3: It was fabulous, particularly when it was dab and it was a bit squirrely. Uh,
2: it has titanium sport exhaust, carbon fibre engine cover. Which, if you
3: get that on the ground, obviously will spark. Exactly. So they mm. had to ban that one. So away. yes, mm. great stuff. Um... We should have gone to that race. We should have biked to that race. <laughs> uh, well, and the fin-
2: rear wings from the GT eco
3: Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Uh, let's quickly talk about the Michelin G- GT Challenge at VIR. Talking about that with Jeremy. That's our next IMSA race. That's where we'll be uh, next week. Uh, Everything starting on Friday with a 12-hour broadcast day on Friday. Well, 12-hour day for us on Friday. Pretty much a 12-hour broadcast day for us on Saturday, uh, and then the main race on Sunday. Just having a quick look through. Not it's GTs only, obviously. Eight GTLMs, no changes there. GT Daytona, we've got Starworks back with Parker Chase and Ryan DL. It's got Hargrove and Zachary Robichon listed for FAF Motorsport. Let's see if that actually happens. Uh, let's quickly. I'm quickly running through this. This has just come in. Uh, as we were talking. Uh, Ben Keating and Jerome Blakamoland together in the Mercedes. News, of course, that Ben is going to WEC next year and uh, he's going to be driving a Porsche with Project One. Reason he's going to be driving a a Project One Porsche was, when he asked if he could run the Ford, I am told, and I need to ask Ben this, but the the story is that they refused him an entry if he was bringing the Ford to Am really yeah and if that I'll get him to confirm that and it's I, I may have been um, badly informed but that's that's what I'm hearing uh, the other change uh, Corey Lewis still in at Paul Miller racing we know that's gonna run at the end of the season uh, that's okay that's good uh, and Alice Powell after five years sabbatical from racing uh, comes into the Heinrich racing with My Shank racing uh, Acura with Catherine Leg. That's the story we've been sitting on for a very long time. Uh, a good few months now, actually, that uh, Alice went and tested that car some time ago, very quietly.
7: been sharpening her skills in the W Series. And well, racing.
3: well I'm, I'm not sure it had. I, I, you, you can't know. You absolutely can't know. But it's been talked about for some time. Um in the paddock. Ah,
7: good luck to us. Nice to get back the career back on, on, on home. Uh, always a good base.
3: driver. Uh, she's she's now uh, that obviously it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because now the spotlight will be shone on her because of that. Whereas before she'd just been a driver coming back to racing after five years <laughs> off, and maybe not much would have been expected of her. But now she's going to be expected to perform at the very highest level uh, in a. Uh, a field a non-segregated field
7: of motor racing where the
3: only thing that matters is your lap time a
7: much more competitive field well uh, she's been winning you can only race race who's around you what she's done and I've watched all the W Series races this year is she's Proven that you know she's been five years off and she's got better and better and better and better and she's got her eye back in again. You know, it's it's all very well simulation and testing, but there's no there's no substitute for racing, especially in a single seater which she wasn't um, so experienced with. Not at all. Put some excellent race together towards the back end of the season good luck to her uh, and now she can go and race in a proper race series where everyone's allowed to play together
2: uh, W Series did exactly what we predicted it would before it started which was uh, they'd all drive around for a bit and then Jamie Chadwick would win the title
7: yeah but not by as much she should have done not as convincing she should have done, given her experience but I'm not sure that's politically correct to say that did
2: we tell people that Lancashire won
7: uh, yes, we did. Uh, they, they won by... Oh, if we didn't, uh, they have.
3: They won by eight wickets with nine balls to spare down at uh, Northampton. Nick Damon, thank you. Jeremy Shaw and Malcolm Cracknell were our other guests tonight. Tim Gray was up in London. The Responsible Adult was everywhere. And the rhubarb trifle <laughs> was absolutely fabulous. fantastic. Now, don't go away. You tuned in now. Coming up, a programme I had the most fun doing, and I really hope this comes across all iterations of the Mazda MX5 available. I drove them all and uh, a couple of versions how many of all? some of them. Four? Four iterations, but actually, I, I think I drove. Uh, hang on, let me work out how many different cars I've got. Listen to the show and, and work it out. Thanks very much to Graham Fudge and to uh, Owen Mildenhall for setting it up for me, Mazda UK, and thoroughly. Uh, enjoyed it 30 years of the Master MX-5 we celebrate three decades of a brilliant motor car and that comes up next uh, but there's no time to explain uh, because the llama has got the roof down
7: this program is a radio show limited production
1: tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.